You are now entering Magnified Studios. Welcome. Coming to you from Magnified Studios, Magnified Pod presents It's Hard to Find a Podcast. Covering your favorite indie bands from the 90s Christian alternative scene. Tape decks on record. Hi, I'm Andrew. I'm John. <coughs> <laughs> He's sick, folks. And this is our podcast. <laughs> it's been that kind of week. Yeah. Um, so this is this episode is not coming out on the 3rd of July, which was when the plan for it to come out was mm-hmm. uh, because I got COVID. Wow. Womp womp. So during our episode, uh, our episode during our interview with Mason, I like beforehand. I was like, yeah, I'm not feeling well. I'm starting to get sick. Um, and I was like really trying to hold it, hold it together yeah. during that interview. Um, and little did I know that I, um, that COVID was, was setting up shop. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Body. Thanks a lot, Swifties. Yeah, I mean that's that is my best guess is that I yeah. got it at the Taylor show. Um, you know, statistically, you know, sixty thousand or so people. There yeah. had to be a number of people who either knew they had COVID or didn't know they had COVID. Yeah, uh, and it's just yeah, it was a it was a petri dish. Yeah, and could I have worn a mask? Sure, you know. Um, that probably would have been the smarter decision. Alas, uh, I did not. Well, it was also weird that she's doing this thing on the tour where she tells everybody to turn to their neighbor and cough into their open mouths, right? That's <laughs> yeah, from her uh, yeah. cabin core era. <laughs> yeah, she's um, yeah, just like, this is my new single, spit in your friend's mouth. <laughs> um, yeah, that sucks. I, as we're recording, saw uh, Dillinger 4, Mountain Goats, and Hold Steady last night, uh, which dude was so fun and i cannot wait to see two out of those three bands with you at the state fair i know that that Um, show last night was like an amuse bouche too it was yeah (laughs) my my bouche was highly amused and um i wore a mask you have have a very your mouth is very amusing (laughs) thank you um yeah i uh i wore a mask at the show and I've been pretty like mask on for a lot of the time, but I I have given up, you know, recently. But post your COVID test, I was like, I'm I'm putting the mask on at the show. Yeah. So yeah. Just in case. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. We yeah. we've been talking about different ways to mm-hmm. um kind of switch up the pod setup, ways that we release content, the kinds of content mm-hmm. we release. Um, so yeah, things could look different, yeah, uh, for season five, but nude episodes <laughs> on the Patreon, yeah, the Patreon, new Patreon is, nude tier, new, yes, the nude tier. And then, uh, if you sign up for that tier, you get our feet pics. Ooh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, what is your, um, your own, your wiki feet score these days? Pretty John, good. Or... John, the thing is, like, if I had attractive feet, you'd like, show them off oh uh, i would i would 1000 percent 
mm. uh, do like a weird foot, like, you know, OnlyFans. Only uh-huh. For sure. Because like, <laughs> it's one of those things like no one needs to see your face. Like that's right, not, right. that's not the moneymaker. The moneymaker is the feet. Those and like, in terms baby. of like, you know, quote unquote, illicit things that one could sell. It's like the weirdest and most benign. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Like no one's who, who cares. And people like who are into feet, like they'll pay, they'll pay, pay a lot of that for that. <laughs> Top but like dollar. it's sadly, my feet are not attractive. Mm. So um some uh... might argue that no feet are attractive. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> but not not my particular kink, but uh, <laughs> I have not gotten a, a close enough look at your feet to truly evaluate them. So next time I see you, I'll have to really, really right, drink just them really in. get in, get in. Close. Um, you know, this week on the pod, we have guest Mason Meninga, a respected <laughs> and <Perfect> well-known <laughs> figure. And what better way to honor his presence than by discussing foot fetishes uh, prior <laughs> to his interview? But before yeah. yes. we get to Mason. Um, we do have some some feedback from some folks we want oh. to get to uh, as this is our finale and yes. we want to hear from you before we go on our break to to prep our feet for the upcoming season. <laughs> get those um, get those calluses. That's right. Know. Sawing off our various yeah, just, onions. Yeah. Our gr- grating off our, <laughs> you know, uh, never mind. Okay. This is people have people have turned off the episode at tuned this point. out yeah don't chew into the mic don't talk <laughs> about your foot uh preparation <laughs> foot preparation <laughs> john how do you how do you I, normally prepare your feet What's... i will say i have one of those like pumice stones uh, sure yeah, yeah yeah which i got in college because jenny was like your feet are like hurting me here's like a rock to peel off your skin and i was like huh um but now i understand yeah I mean, that's yeah. You have to every once in a while, you know, you gotta you have to gotta grind that, grind it down. It's that's right. <laughs> no one, no one wants those, you know, laying in bed and having someone's Mm-mm. weird, crusty feet. Um, how, we got back onto feet again. <laughs> Sorry, that's my fault. Uh, <laughs> voicemails better than feet talk. <laughs> yeah, uh, we do have a voicemail line, um, but you know, if you leave a voicemail now. About this stuff, yeah, uh, it's gonna be a while. So, be wow. Be wow. Um, yes. So, why don't we check out? All right, we have a voicemail from our boy, our boy Danny Stairs, oh, who wow. I'm going to be seeing. Oh man, this weekend, jealous. <laughs> What's up, guys? Your boy Danny Stairs. I'm just so excited about the big news. Johnny finally moving up north to be near Andrew. You guys right. can record in person. Yeah. You know, look lovingly into each other's eyes or whatever what you said. Just <laughs> remember, you gotta you gotta guard yourself because if you stare in Andrew's eyes too long, trust me, I know what happens. And John, you're a married mm. man. Maybe, maybe Jenny's down with it. I don't know, but you need to have that discussion if you're gonna put yourself in that situation. <laughs> Anyhow, um, just super excited that you guys made it five years. I cannot <laughs> believe it's been five years. Uh, I know this season I, I've been a little absent, but four of those years, you guys, you know, you guys are such a regular part of my life, waiting every week for the pod to drop and then spending six hours listening <laughs> to it throughout the week. Um, you know, you guys helped me through a lot of times and helped me to figure out a lot of things about myself. And, uh, I love you both dearly, and I cannot wait to see you guys again. Andrew, I'll see you 
oh gosh, less than a month now, a couple weeks. Um, and then next time I'm up to the St. Paul area, John will be there. So um, That's right. can't wait, uh, hang out, have far, well, you know, lots of good fun times in the future. Uh, still looking forward to it. Uh, looking forward to you know popping in and out uh, as you guys go forward and uh, keeping keeping up with what you guys have going on in your lives and, and on the pod. So love you guys both. Uh, Mac Pod for life. Toodaloo, you beautiful motherfuckers. <laughs> Hell yeah, we love you, buddy. Thanks. We love you, Danny. Voicemail from a beautiful man. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, Danny is going to be up here. As he said, um, we are going to be skanking it up. We are seeing We Are the Union, Catbite, Kill Lincoln, and Jay Navarro and the Traders. Yeah, man. Um, Very jealous. You know, Jay Navarro. Uh, the Suicide Machines, repping that Suicide Machines shirt right now. Uh, Jay Navarro and the Traders uh, just put out a new record. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm so, I'm so pumped. Um, yeah, I'm missing that show by one day. So sad about that. Yes, but I hope you guys have a ton of fun. Yeah, and I imagine, um, Danny. I know, you, like you said, um, you haven't been as active with the voicemails and everything this season, but um, something tells me mm-hmm. maybe season five might be something you're a little bit more into. I think so. And that is all I'm going to say about that. Yes. Oh, hey guys, it's Jason from LA. Uh, yeah. I saw your Instagram post about uh, me without you stories. Uh, I have other stuff going on in my life. Life is still kind of crazy with me right now. Still going through the custody battle over my daughters. It's been four years of hell, but uh, hopefully things work out. July 6th is court. But my okay. without you story. Uh, years ago, I was a children's pastor at my church, and uh, one of the parents whose kid was in the youth group, high school kid, knew that I liked crazy music, and her son was into a uh, uh, Coheed and Canberra, and uh, they were going to be playing at the Grove in Anaheim. And uh, she also, they, he told me the band opening was Me Without You. So she told me, hey, if you take my son, I'll pay for your ticket. So I was like, all right, cool. So uh, we went, Me Without You, and they had, it only had two albums out. They were, I, I was a big fan of theirs already. The first album, and then their second album was just amazing. But uh, after Me Without You played, the kid, High school came up to me. His name was Michael, I remember. But he came up to me. He goes, hey, we have to go. I'm like, why? Because my mom and dad just called me. They're pissed off at me. And like, I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, okay. So we, we left. And uh, I told him on the way to, back home, I said, hey, if you see your mom and dad calling and you're at a concert, don't pick it up. Probably not the best <laughs> advice when you ask her. But as a punk rock, rock and roll guy, <laughs> the advice you got to give to someone. That's right. So find out, you know, how Christian parents can be. They found uh, out that he was watching South Park. So <laughs> oh, he got God. grounded, which I think is lame. I do like South Park. But uh, that's my Me You story. I'll keep it short. <laughs> uh, you guys keep up the work. I'm looking forward to next season, wherever it's going to be. So uh, mag class for life. Thanks, buddy. Uh a great reason to come home early from a concert, oh. finding out that you watch South Park. Um, 
Jason, uh, yeah, thanks for for sharing a little bit about what's going on with you, man. And we will be yeah. thinking about you. I hope all goes well. Yeah, uh, man. Uh, Danny and Jason, two of OGs, uh, Magpot OGs. That's right. Um, first voicemail we ever got was from Danny Stairs. First email we ever got was from Jason. Yeah. Um, these guys have been around uh, right. for you know. Wow. These, been wow. Been around for these full five years, and yeah, uh, man. Appreciative. It's it's appreciate them so much, and it's it is we just got we got a really solid solid Patreon crew, man. I love it's true. I love everybody over there. Samezies. Um. All right, we got another hey, magnified pod. This is the moderner. Um. I saw your post on Twitter about the Me Without You podcast. So, I guess you could say I'm a first time caller. Um. Right and soon to be a listener. Um, right. And my favorite album for from New Without You is 2015's Pale Horses. All right. Um, because there are levels to this shit, man. No. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, you know, um, because, it, you know, dealing with the ending of things, the ending of all things, these ideas, and where the band was at at the time, and you know, some of the abstract stories in there and sort of, you know, Watermelon Ascot with that. The lyrics are so interesting. And then I saw the music video for, for that song, which is the band getting abducted. It's, it's filmed in such a great, like, way. It's very, um, uh, you know, obviously it's, it seemed not to be too big a budget and it, it was filmed perfectly for mm-hmm. the, uh, for what ensued. It was very funny and, complimented the song well and you know uh and that's it pale horses uh the the opening track great ending track so epic um and uh yeah thanks i look forward to listening to the episode and future episodes thank you thank you have a good one thanks buddy thanks um you can uh find the moderner on twitter at the moderner 86 so thanks for that um Another, yeah, we should another shout out to Pale Horses. You know, yeah, this... Pale, I mean, you mentioned there's yeah. some there's some fan love out there for yeah. it for sure. Um, I should say that we put out that old QOT dubs, uh, the question of the week, mm-hmm. asking which album is folks' favorite. And we were talking about this before we started recording a little bit. Like when we asked for that, when we asked for top threes, much like you'll get to when we discuss the <laughs> album this week, people yes. are kind of like, I mean, this is it right now, but it will be different tomorrow and it'll be different in an hour. And it's kind of unfair to ask. And yeah. So, you know, people's favorites for songs and albums for this band can fluctuate, I think. Yes. But I will say brother, sister ran away with it by far the most people weighed in with that being their number one, but a strong second catch for us, the foxes, uh, which makes sense. Um, a few votes for 10 stories, a few votes for pale horses. We got one for it's all crazy one for untitled. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, as we alluded to with Meg, I think pale horses kind of a return to form in some ways for them. So I think a lot of folks respond to that record a lot, but yeah. Yeah. Thanks for weighing in everybody. All right. We got one from our boy, Brian Canberra, Rudy librarian. Uh, what do you think? Is it going to be in his <laughs> Cessna? <laughs> Hey guys, it is Ryan, the Ruby Librarian, checking in. Been a while. I keep thinking of like sending a voice memo to you guys 
and then, you know, I get distracted by a squirrel or some other shiny <laughs> object, and uh, hours pass by, days pass by, months pass by, and I never get it. So I had to take a minute uh, to celebrate five years. First of all, just want to tell you guys how deeply thankful I am for both of you uh, and for the community that you've helped to build. I've made some really great friends on here um, and through the, the whatever it's called, I can't remember right now, the, the group chat. What is it called? Discord. Discord. Dagnabbit. All right, now I'm checking because the Discord. It's be crazy. The Discord. There the you Discord. go. Discord. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, so the Discord. There it is. <laughs> I've really enjoyed just the community there um, because, you know, I think in general, a lot of us, as we've sort of been dealing with uh, deconstruction and we've been dealing with COVID and we've been dealing with all that kind of stuff and found ourselves out of community and uh, Magpod Nation has been just a beautiful community of uh, mostly like-minded mm -hmm. loving people who are supporting each other and you guys helped to develop that so thank you so much for all that you've done um, I love listening to all the concerts you've been to and are going to. Um, here it is in the middle of summer, and I'm a teacher. I have the job that everyone like is jealous of in the summer because I'm quote-unquote off, but if you know real teachers, you know that's typically not the case. Um, aside from professional development and all those kinds of things, many of us also work during the summer um, to try and make up for uh, where our salaries are not as good as they should be or to get out of, you know, the crippling uh, student loan debt that our government doesn't want to uh, deal with. <sighs> and so uh, I find myself working at the public library, and it has been a really great time, um, but I will say I went straight from, like, working uh, at my school to working at the library with no real days off. I am looking forward to today when I'm recording this, it is June 21st, and tomorrow is my 21st wedding anniversary. Oh, man. My wife, Michelle, on the 23rd, we're going to go see a concert that is uh, kind of blues with a symphony orchestra um, in Dallas. And then on July 5th, we're going to go see Blink-182 in Turnstile. Oh, shit. And uh, so I'm very much <clears throat> looking forward to those things. Uh, love you guys. Looking forward to the end of this season and more of next season and Magpod for life. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Brian Canberra, one of the greatest there is. Absolutely. Uh, congrats on 21 years, man. That, man, is, that's a, that that's, is an accomplishment. Sure is. Um, pay teachers more. Uh, it is... I mean, we can't. We didn't even touch on any Supreme Court stuff. Yeah, there's no. We, we we could be here all day if we there's did. There's no time to no. discuss the uh, nightmare of yeah. the Supreme Court. You know, I saw a tweet that said I've had crunch raps that are more supreme in this court, um, which is hilarious. But this that rules these. <laughs> these decisions, man, are just so catastrophic. I can't. Yeah. Like this case, we're going to, if we get into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, we can't do it. Can't. Suffice it to say, yeah. um, in a society that already undervalues uh, its educators, you know, maybe one of the most important jobs there is, 
to further undercut them by not giving them additional financial relief is a real nightmare. And uh, yep. as this court, expand the court, uh, look for ways to do things like support affirmative action in your own life by helping others uh, look for ways to offer financial relief to others, even if it's not through things like a uh, government funded student debt relief. Having said all that, I hope we get um, those decisions reversed in the coming years, expand the court. Yeah. Anyway, nightmares. Uh, yeah. Brian, great guy. <laughs> I don't know. Can, John, why don't we just make up a case and uh, make up people that don't exist and then go to the Supreme Court with a case and, I mean, uh, and change law? It's pretty good. I would I like mean, to do that. Uh, I would also like a, a vegetarian crunch wrap supreme. <laughs> That's really good. Um, uh, you know, you know who sells those? Jay Selby's oh, in St. Paul. Yeah, they, they, got, do. Uh, they got. They them. used to have a a veggie juicy Lucy, which for folks who don't know is where they put the cheese in the uh, patty. But I think it's they don't betwixt, have that anymore. It's yeah, betwixt yeah. the patties, indeed. So um, it's like a burger with like molten cheese in the middle. Yeah. Oh, just a beautiful sentence. Um, <laughs> But yes, yeah. uh, that sounds delightful. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate your uh, your part of this community. Hell yeah. Um, boy, Bobby G. Hey, Magpod. Yeah. It's your boy, Bobby G. Robert Gay. Uh, checking in from here in Nashville about me without you. I'm stoked that you guys are going to be diving into their catalog. And um, you posed the question of what is your favorite album? So I think for me, it would be probably Catch for Us the Foxes. Um, that's the album that I really formed a deep connection with. It came out in high school um, for me at a time when I was really getting into music and kind of finding my own friends and taste and personality and really forming like pretty critical opinions about art and religion and relationships. And I think it's so cool that um, Me Without You's catalog is something I've been able to grow with. Sometimes it's confused me, sometimes it's challenged me, sometimes it's introduced me to ideas that I wasn't really ready to even think about. So the older I get, uh, there's always something new to discover in me without you. And um, I gotta say, you know, songs like Torches Together, uh, mm -hmm. that one is always gonna be a favorite of mine. Um, but a, a quick memory of me without you, I. Grew up going to a lot of their shows, saw them a bunch of times live, and I have really great memories of them pulling up to places like Rocket Town, Rocket Town, <laughs> uh, here in Nashville, and um, in their eco-friendly bus, running on biodiesel, right. and hosting potluck dinners mm -hmm. um, made with food that they got out of uh, dumpster diving. And of course, yeah. you know, decorating the stage with flowers that were also sourced from dumpsters. Um, and my parents at the time would be like kind of poo-pooing dumpster diving and all of that stuff and be like, oh, did you go see that band and eat trash food again? And I'd be like, yeah, it was great. And it really was. I still remember the taste of that curry. Anyway, um, thanks for shining a spotlight on the amazing Me Without You. Uh, Magpod for life. Thanks, man. I'd eat the shit out of some of Aaron Weiss's dumpster curry. Trash curry. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I'm sure it was delightful. I wish I could have partaken in a me without you potluck at some point in life. Um, uh, thanks for sharing those memories about me. That sounds amazing. Um, yeah, we should also say, uh, A to B life, not an album that got 
any votes um, when yeah. we put out the ask. But I know, you know, we've talked to a couple people who are like, it is in their like, you know, kind of top few. Uh, I I like that record a lot. Uh, it's not on the level of these two that we've talked about in the main feed for me, but right. we'll get into all that. Um, thank you all for sharing your thoughtful thoughts. Uh, mm-hmm. Before we wrap up some feedback, I wanted to share a couple other random things we got uh, online by way of DMs and comments and such. We got a message from the band Wolves and Machines, uh, Aaron from Wolves and Machines, who said, hey, just wanted to shoot you guys a message and thank you for the Onothalo episodes. Ooh, my favorite band, and I found your pod by just randomly searching Onothalo in the podcast app. It was awesome hearing you guys talk as passionately about them as I would. Uh, he says uh, Wolves and Machines is his band, and though I wouldn't say we sound like Onothalo, there's definitely been some influence that popped up in our last album, Evergreen. We're just a hobby band, so not here to sell you on anything. Just don't run into folks who enjoy this band very often. If you did have a chance, we're on Spotify, and I'd say our song Ashes Petals is where I most indulged in my Onothalo love. Keep up the great work. work, work. Looking forward to diving into the Pedro episodes next. Uh, thanks, Aaron, for that. Loved talking Onothalo. Yeah, well, um, let's, let's take a listen to a little bit of Ashes yeah. and Petals. Let's do it. From Wolves and Machines, from their album evergreen oh yeah here's some monofala there yeah That's great, man. I, I hear I hear the Onothello influence. Absolutely, and, yeah. And it's yeah. so like everything sounds so crisp and yeah. bright. Great production sound. Really mixed very well. That was uh that was great. Thank you, Aaron. Um, one other quick comment wanted to share. Michael Dixon said on Facebook, he started the podcast from the beginning a couple months ago. He said, I listen to one every workday and just listen to the Five Iron, The End Is Here episode. COVID time has just begun on the pod. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and still here with us, apparently. Yeah. Um, oh, I loved, wow. going, <laughs> loved going back to the MXPX discography, and I'm looking forward to catching up with the podcast. So thank you, Michael. Uh, thank you, Aaron. Wanted to uh, include those as well as the thoughtful voicemails and voice memos we got. Yes. Appreciative for all of you. Oh, um, yeah. You know, Appreciate send you us... Uh, send us some emails uh over the hiatus uh you know with the caveat that we probably wouldn't read them on the show for a while like you're saying Andrew. But... <laughs> uh, yeah yeah uh, yeah we always welcome uh anything in the in the off season if it you know as it were but yeah just with that caveat that it'll be a while that's right uh we also welcome great guests like Ooh. mesa meniga uh Ooh. who we had a great talk with uh about his thoughts on the band, they are a band that mean a lot to him and a little bit of his thoughts on Brother Sister in particular. So should we yes. listen to some of that? 
We should. And this is, we recorded this on the day when I really started feeling not great. Yeah. So I'm doing my best to hold it together. Um, but just with that caveat, um, maybe didn't bring my, my A game, which is why sure. we had to punt on this episode a little bit. Yeah. But yes, let's get into our conversation with Mason. John, today on the pod, we welcome Mason Menenga, a theologian, writer, host of the podcast, The People's Theology, which explores theologies that inspire and liberate, and the Black Sheep podcast presented by HM Magazine, in which musicians and creatives are interviewed about their art and faith. Uh, among being a great Twitter follow and uh, his uh, writing on his website, um, but he does. He's a man of many, many talents. Uh, Mason, welcome to Magnified Pod. Thank you for having me. This is just really exciting. Uh, I know my friend Meg uh, just uh, did an episode with you all. So uh, I'm glad that Meg could open for me and I can be the headliner. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, what a, what a lineup that is. Uh, yeah. we, uh, we, we told Meg that we, we love me without you, but we, we are relying on the deep passion that uh, folks like you and she bring to the to the band a little more, so you can set some context that maybe we we don't have as much. So we appreciate you both being on to talk more about your relationship to them. Yeah, I'm excited. This will be fun. Cool. Um, well, to start things off, we have an important question, which is, when did you first hear of me without you? Yeah, I have a distinct memory of it. Don't know exactly when it happened, uh, but I have the m distinct memory of it. I, I must have been like maybe fourth grade or so. So it's probably like 10, maybe, maybe fifth grade, maybe 10 or 11, somewhere around that age. And there used to be this show called Steel Roots. And it was kind of one of those like Christian programming shows where it, it was like on a channel that like it had its own like block of programming and then it would basically change to an entirely different like kind of programming or whatever. I mean, it was like, it just had a few select shows, but it was essentially like the Christian version of MTV. There was some shows about extreme sports and faith. And then obviously you have all the music and faith stuff. And uh, Steel Roots had a top 10 music video countdown every single day. And you could go online, vote for your top 10 favorite uh, music videos and uh and they would show them. so there was one time i don't again i don't know exactly when it was but there was a music video countdown where they had january 1979 mm. and i remember thinking to myself this is the strangest music i've ever heard and <laughs> i like went from like you know listening to like chris tomlin mm. and steve curtis chapman newsboys like all the stuff that I had grown up with with my parents just because it was my parents music and that's just what you listen to when you're really young you right. just listen to whatever your parents put on and also veggie tales so I was like <laughs> veggie tales and all the CCM shit from like the 90s and early 2000s and went from that to I had like this little brief stint where I was really into NSYNC and like Backstreet Boys and then went immediately into all like the Christian alternative stuff so I didn't really have much of a like a transition from like CCM to now I'm like listening just to like Reliant K or whatever. And now I'm listening to Under Oath. Like I went from Steve is Curtis Chapman to Under Oath or something like that. Right. I mean, <laughs> uh -huh. it was that extreme, that drastic. And uh, Me Without You was one of those early bands where I just moved from that Veggie Tales world to, uh, to Me Without You and that kind of tooth and nail world. And so 
yeah, I remember watching January 1979 and just being like, this is unbelievably interesting music. I've never heard anything like it. And so, yeah, it just hooked me right away. Uh, I still have like a distinct memory of, it was probably maybe like a year later, maybe not quite a year later, but I remember visiting my cousins in Arizona and going into their office. They had, they had a really big house and I went into their office one time and pulled up pure volume and started listening to me without you. Don't know why I still have that memory, but I just have this memory of being on vacation in Arizona, listening to me without you. So yeah, they were one of those very early bands for me that I just started listening to uh, as a young kid and just have only loved them every single year. I mean, it really does feel like one of those really great marriages where every year you just fall more and more in love with the person. Mm -hmm. It really feels like that with me without you every single year, even now that they've broken up, they feel like one of those bands where I just fall more and more in love with them every single year so yeah but that's how it all started that was my first memory of me without you that uh steel rock uh wait steel roots steel roots yeah steel roots yeah reminds me of uh, a similar sounding show that we've talked about which is g-rock which i think was perhaps a predecessor mm. to that but that was like yeah on the trinity broadcasting <laughs> network with extreme sports and music videos uh so glad Steel Roots was was keeping that keeping that ministry alive. Um, but yeah, Meg kind of described a similar experience of seeing the video of January 1979 first on a tooth and nail comp and being like, "What is this?" <laughs> and like that yeah. being your 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 first exposure. Which I don't know, Andrew. We've kind of talked about that being like a a commonality of people's first impressions. Maybe being like, "I don't really know what this is, and I can't yeah. really like wrap my mind around it yet." But like, I like it. <laughs> But the sort of deeper dive maybe comes later. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you say, you and uh, Meg and uh, me, we had our all of our first introductions were with January 1979. And I think it was all everybody's reaction was somewhat similar being like, I don't know exactly what I'm listening to. Um, I can't quantify what this is because i mean you said like haven't you'd never heard anything like it and and we were talking last week we we're trying to even compare them to anything before them like what like yeah the who, closest, who's the we, the closest we who's even like the secular Fugazi. version right like you know remember like growing up with those posters where it's like if you like playing yes. Secular oh, yes. Band, oh yes you like playing christian band but even if you like revert what, you know, whatever way you do it with me without you, whether they are the secular or the Christian version, there really doesn't feel like there's an other version of them. No. Right. Yeah. It's there's such a specific sound and Aaron's voice is. Yeah, I still haven't really heard anything, anything like it. Um, it's kind of it, cool that here we are, like so young listening to this band for the first time. Again, I was like 10 or 11 years old. And thinking, I've never heard anything like this. And it's like kind of cool to look back and think, oh, like I actually still haven't heard anything like this. Like my right. ears, even at 10 years old, were right about the fact that I've never heard anything like this. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, kind of in line with what you're saying about like with, as a marriage, like that relationship gets deeper the longer that you go on. Like what, I guess, A, what about them initially connected you to them besides you know what you're saying of it sounding like nothing else like what what really stood out to you and then b what has kind of like sustained that relationship to them as artists you know years later as you've matured as well 
Right. Well, I think at the time when I was 10 or 11 years old, my unrefined ears really loved the fact that you have this really ambient, twinkly kind of guitar work. And yet mm -hmm. also at times it's super heavy. It felt yeah. just as heavy as Under Oath at times. And yet you also had this like really cool indie, almost modest mouse type of sound. Mm -hmm. And my my unrefined ears just thought that dynamic was really interesting. And I still really loved me without you for that reason. But that was probably my like first intrigue into like, why do I like this sound so much? That probably was part of the reason was it kind of felt like a cat and mouse type of dynamic where you have this like twinkly bit and then you also have these really heavy um, bits as well. And so, yeah, I think I really love them for that. Lyrically, I've never been like a lyrics person in so much or in so far that I don't really pay attention so much to lyrics. Like I just sort of have like I take lyrics as like a given like whoever I'm listening to probably is going to be a good lyricist and I just take that as a given uh and so but but what's really interesting about me without you in particular is obviously Aaron is probably known as one of the greatest lyricists of our of our lifetime and I didn't really quite realize that until probably a number of years after listening to me without you I mean I'm sure brother sister by this point would have come up came out and and started to realize oh th this guy's like kind of next level lyricist uh, and, and really nobody else at that point that I had listened, in, listened to in that tooth and nail world really compared much at all. And so, yeah, I think the lyric side of things that really, I think a lot of people love me without you, like maybe that's the initial reason why they love me without you is because of Aaron's lyrics. That wasn't the initial thing for me. I, I kind of fell in love with that later on. That was something I learned about them and was like, oh, I actually really love that about you, um, me without you. And so, yeah, I think that th those were kind of the first kind of stepping stones for me falling in love with them but later on I mean it really comes down to I love the journey that that religious journey that the band has had I, I mean even prior to starting me without you there was already kind of like a really interesting religious um, journey with the Weiss brothers but certainly you see that play on throughout and then also especially over these last like number of years you know me without you being in that tooth and nail world i think were initially really beloved by that kind of evangelical christian community but as they became more open and honest even more so about their faith i think they were always open and honest about their faith but as, as that faith changed and they were open and honest about it you you really they started to probably alienate a lot of the evangelical audience but it opened up them to an, an entirely new audience and i think that's the audience that you saw at all the farewell tour shows mm -hmm. and, uh, and it was really cool to see like how many interesting <clears throat> people are at these me without you shows that probably weren't at those early you know very evangelical type of days for me without you and so it's just really interesting to see that journey uh, of this fan base people really loving them uh, and to see like now at this point, you see a lot of new bands coming up and, and incredible big bands coming up and being like, this is one of my favorite bands of all time. I wouldn't be a musician without me, without you, me, including someone like Haley Williams, who is, you know, mm -hmm. one of the one of the biggest artists in the world right now for her to say me without you. I, I would not be an artist today. Paramore would not be a thing today if it weren't for me without you. And so it's just really cool to see a band that really is not honestly still that big. I think maybe what they have 100, 150,000 monthly listeners on Spotify, really small in the grand scheme of things, but their impact is much larger than what their listenership is actually. And so it's just really cool to see just all these different pieces to this band come together. And uh, it, it's just part of, it, it's one of those things that I feel like they've got a lot of lore that you fall in love with, you know, all the all the legends about me without you, you fall in love with, you fall in love with Aaron's lyrics, you fall in love with the really interesting 
kind of sound evolution that they have. You fall in love with their faith evolution. You fall in love with the fact that their audience are really interesting, quirky people. And you fall in love with the fact that they're just super influential in the Indian alternative music scene. So I don't know. I think all those pieces together really uh, make me fall in love with Me Without You. Yeah, I I mean, what we've talked about sometimes is like, the denseness of kind of like the lore you're talking about and the incredibly uh, detailed and reference-filled lyrics and the sort of denseness of, of the music and, and how, you know, how many movements there are within songs and how uh, wide ranging their musical expressions are. Like, I think that denseness can keep uh, folks like at an arm's length from them in certain ways, at least initially, um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, that was the case for, uh, for me at least where it was like, I want to get into this, but it's just like too much to really like fully give myself to. And it really wasn't until later, like you're saying that I, I was at the farewell tour, but that was the first show, the first time I'd seen them live. And I can't think oh, of wow. their, uh, Christian bands or like bands from that scene who like I came to for the first time later in life, you know, usually mm -hmm. when I've mm -hmm. gone back to those kinds of artists, it's like a reunion show or, you know, something like that. And so, yeah, I think you're totally right that that, that depth both can be like, wow, this is a lot. And I don't know if I'm ready for it, but also is so rewarding once you give yourself to it. And in a way that is unique for the scene, because like, like mm -hmm. I'm saying, I'm, I'm pouring over these lyrics and themes and music now as a 40 year old and i'm like finding so much resonance in it um still and i yeah i just that i think you articulated it well because that's like a unique position that they occupy and there just aren't that many mm -hmm. bands or artists you know from either you know the secular realm or you know the kind of faith-based realm that that can really say that in that same way Mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah, they are one of the few bands. And I, and actually, this thought occurred to me when I saw them last. Uh, it was the farewell tour or the farewell show that I saw. And during the middle of their set, you know, Aaron pulls out an acoustic guitar or something, starts playing one of their songs. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he starts playing and a mosh pit forms with an acoustic guitar being played. And I remember thinking to myself, this is probably one of the only bands, not just a Christian band, but one of the only bands ever to exist where a mosh pit will literally form when an acoustic guitar is being played. <laughs> it's a unique, uh, unique position. Uh, what were you going to say, Andrew? You know, it's um, there aren't many Christian bands or bands that came from the 90s and early 2000s alternative scene, the tooth and nail scene, where you can go back in their early discography and not be bummed out like you go back to, uh far far enough with a lot of bands in the in that scene and you listen to some of their early work you might find some takes where you're just like woof and mm -hmm. they might evolve but it's interesting to see how artists uh like me without you and and aaron specifically and uh, Dave Bazan, Pedro the Lion, um, watching, to your point, watching the fan base go on a journey with them because it's, um, yeah, sometimes sometimes you find yourself in the same place as an artist and, um, and sometimes you find those albums at a, spe a specific time that means something to you. Um, and, you know, having seen... Um, me without you also on their farewell tour and having just seen Pedro 
um, uh, in the last month, the kinds of people that are coming to the shows, uh, to your point, are the people who I think have continued to go on the journey with with these people um, and didn't give up on on them and their art. And whether or not they arrived at a similar conclusion or agree with everything, they still find something um, valuable in what they're communicating, what they're saying, and what their art overall is trying to, uh, what, what it's trying to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are one of the those interesting bands that it felt like every single album, there was a pretty significant sound change. And what's really cool is the fact that, you know, they really developed a fan base where regardless of the fact that they you would change their sound so, so much in each album, they, th- their fan base was absolutely dedicated to them through and through. And uh, that, that's a, that's a rare thing. There's a lot of bands that will try to change their sound, mm-hmm. but then they alienate a f- huge portion of their fan base and lose that fan base. And, and me without you, just I don't know how they did it, but they just figured out a way to get the right fan base that just were like, I don't care what you sound like, I'm going to be dedicated to you all. That's yeah. a that's a pretty rare thing for bands, and and really I think it, it it's the defining feature of like kind of cult status. And I think any really good band that's kind of the thing that's the dream that you chase is cult status. Yeah. And, and they I think they really clearly have developed that kind of cult status. I mean, it really truly a cult following. Yeah, yeah. I have to know. Like, so Meg last week talked about the sort of equal pillars of Five Iron Frenzy and Me Without You in her life as being like, these are the two artists who sort of uh, best encompassed the expression of faith and and, and struggling with that faith and expressing it. Um, As a fellow host of a Christian alternative music podcast, uh, who are the other like big seminal artists from you for you from within that scene? Yeah, uh, certainly the chariot. The chariot's my favorite band of all time, and certainly okay. art were kindred spirits with me without you. You know, Josh Doggin being a really good fan, a big fan of me without you, and certainly a good friend of them as well. So mm-hmm. certainly Josh Goggin, uh, and really anything that he's ever done, uh, I'm such a huge fan of. But certainly the chariot in particular. Chariot's my by far my favorite band of all time. Uh, obviously, me without you is up there. Uh, Norma Jean's up there. Under Oath is up there. Uh, Hope for Home, which is a little bit lesser known band. They were on Face Down Records. They were one of my favorite bands when I was a kid. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that are really uh, high up there on that list. I'm sure I'm blanking on a ton right now, but th- those are certainly the ones that come to mind right away is The Chariot, Norma Jean, Me Without You, Under Oath, uh, and um, and A Hope for Home. Okay. Yeah, that, that tracks. Um, but, uh, you know, we we've been... <laughs> using this opportunity of kind of doing a, a, you know, a mini deep dive of their discography on the pod to go back and think about like, okay, what were some of our favorite uh, moments with encountering these songs or albums for the first time and asking guests and listeners about that. So as you're looking back on their sort of entire two decade experience, are there particular memories of seeing them or experiencing them or particular songs that come to mind when you think about like, what were the most meaningful moments yeah 
There's so much I could say here. Sure. The, the first, the first one, I don't remember exactly the first time I saw them. I think it was right after college sometime. It took actually, you know, even though I was a fan of them for so long, it actually was a long time before I saw them live for the first time. I remember that being like kind of interesting. You know, a lot of, a lot of my favorite bands of all time. I saw them very early on at some point. But yeah. uh, me without you, for some reason, I, I, well, a lot of it had to do with the fact that like, you know, when, when I was really young, you know, I don't really have as much, I, I didn't have as much uh, wiggle room to just like go whenever I wanted to a show or whatever, you know, I was like in high school or middle right. school. And it's not like I have a vehicle or something during that time. Um, and then during college was sort of when they went on that hiatus between um, or the, sort of, I don't know if they described it as a hiatus, but they, they had kind of a long time between 10 stories and pale horses. And so uh, it was during that time that they weren't really touring. And uh, so I didn't really get to see them much uh, really throughout all my college time. Uh, and so it was really kind of, I think, right after the college that they started touring again. And it might have been around that like AB Life tour when they did that that uh, 15th anniversary or something. So mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly um, all of that. But one of the most amazing moments I've ever seen in any concert ever uh, and I've seen a lot, you know, I've seen the chariot a couple times and they're known for their live shows and I've seen some other really great shows. One of the coolest moments ever was, and I, again, I don't remember when this was, I, I think this was a number of years before they broke up, but there was a show where, uh, you know, it was late at night and uh, Aaron's, you know, dancing around doing his thing. And you see on the side of the stage, you see his, his wife and, um, I think he's got two kids now. I don't remember exactly, but one of the, the probably one of the older kids. Um, and so she was probably maybe five years old at the time. I, I don't remember exactly, but you know, she's got her big headphones over her ears and she's just watching her dad probably right before bedtime, right? Like she's probably got to go right. to bed right after this. And uh -huh. she just wants to see her dad right before she goes to bed. So you see like Aaron's wife and, and their daughter right there, right on the side of the stage. And at one point, I think like, her, his daughter just like got so into the music, you know, right before bedtime, you know, just like the bedtime wiggles type of thing. And so she gets up on the stage and she didn't like get right, you know, center stage, but she was right there next to the guitarist. Uh, and she's just dancing around and Aaron sees her and starts dancing with her. And it was such a precious moment. Like rarely do you see that sort of uh, familial kind of connection happen during a live show. And it was so cool to see that. Uh, and so that's still one of like the coolest memories I still have uh, is Aaron dancing with his daughter on stage at one point. So that's probably one of the coolest like li live memories that I have of me without you. Certainly when they played the last show that I saw them play, uh, that that was such a cool memory as well. You know, it, it's it's super interesting to see something that you've loved for so long, knowing that they it, you'll never see that ever again. Yeah. You know, it almost yeah. feels like kind of like a not not only are they breaking up, but it almost feels like truly like a breakup where, you know, you you have that last meeting where you you're just, you know, you break up and you hug it out and that you you know, that might be the last time you ever see that person. It really kind of felt like that kind of moment, um, even though it was very much like a, a bittersweet moment. Uh, it didn't feel very like uh, it, it really didn't feel that sad for me. Like I felt like they ended things on the, their terms. I felt very happy for them. Certainly I was sad that it was never going to see them again but uh but it was one of those really interesting moments uh when i saw them break up or that kind of last show and seeing them break up but you know, i don't know if like i have really other like kind of core memories that really pop into mind right away but yeah aaron dancing with his daughter and then that last show that i saw them yeah aaron dancing with his daughter feels like a very like 
perhaps only enemy without you show could something like that i don't know like going with like whatever's happening in the moment of course it was like his daughter dancing and he responded by dancing with her like it feels very in line with kind of the me without you experience uh of sort of like community and connection and um dancing together i don't know i i really love that image it feels like it encapsulates them well um, yeah, they, he, they did that in such an incredible way. I, I know that they didn't do it later on in their career, but I know early in their career, they used to do those like potluck things before or after shows right. where people would bring food. And you know, again, like what an interesting and cool idea. And I still have really never heard of anything quite like that since then. I mean, that, yeah. that what a what an amazing way to just engage with people that really love and care about what you do in the world. And so, yeah, they're just, what an interesting band. Yeah, yeah, they really are at the crossroads of sort of punk rock DIY ethos and the sort of Christian intentional community, like mm -hmm. church togetherness when it's at its best crossroads, which like that intersection is, as we talked about, Andrew, like exactly where I was at in my life, yeah. um, trying to live in intentional yeah. community at the time these records were coming out. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's kind of surprising that there aren't more, uh, faith-based artists where that is like a staple of their experience, but it does stand out. Um, speaking of their live shows. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Andrew. I was just oh. going to say some, one of the other things that we've talked about is that the argument that they are the most Christian, like the things that you're talking about are, I mean, mm. not even just lyrics like that to me is like not the most important thing. It is the, the lived, lived faith. And this is the yeah. sort of stuff that we're talking about. The, the potlucks, the um, caring for the other, the considering the other, the the ethos of doing everything you can to love love somebody, love love the other, and become the sort of like this the the oneness of of everybody together, um, and you know this, and I think you're what you're talking about the why why don't we see more of this and i don't know that's not necessarily good business as as it's maybe perceived in the in the industry i don't know how many more how many more units it would move um but well what's interesting is aaron had such strong ethical convictions in right. in such a different way than what a lot of christian artists at the time had in terms of their ethical convictions and certainly right. even today right you th there have always been christian artists who have had ethical convictions usually they're just super conservative ethical convictions right right, right. but aaron was so, so different in that way to the point where you know they were they had that veggie bus that the right. bus right. that ran on vegetable oil and uh, and and they did that for a while, and certainly Aaron was always like very uh, very vocal about his pacifism. And it to hear a Christian that had some level of influence in that world at the time to have such ethical convictions that were very different than the ethical convictions being vocalized by many other Christians at the time was so interesting. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, Five Iron is probably right in that vein, obviously. But, uh, you know, Aaron was doing that and, and it was just so interesting to, to hear something very, very different from somebody. Uh, and, and I often describe I me mean, without you is probably the first time I ever encountered Christians like that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that at the time. I, could, I wouldn't have been able to articulate that or even recognize that, that 
me without you was doing Christianity very differently than other Christians. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that at the time, but it certainly is very obvious to me now. And, and even though I wasn't, I didn't know about it when I was 10 or 11 years old, they were certainly planning to seed in my own life where, you know, my, my ethics, my politics and my theology certainly changed. And I often describe that me without you is really the, maybe the seed that kind of planted that for me, or they, they were the ones that planted that seed for me, uh, even though I didn't know it at the time. Yeah, that's, that's really beautiful. That's something that we've talked about, I think, uh, with Five Iron and other bands like that for us kind of being an eye-opening experience at an earlier age. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, one thing we talk about a lot is like bands from the scene in this time when they do talk about sort of, um, you know, self-assessing as being falling short and not living up to what God has ask them to do it's usually within the context of lust and like oh no mm -hmm. like i i thought about this girl and like i'm i'm just a piece of garbage god like you're i'm never gonna live up to it and it's like aaron is talking about that within the context of falling short of the gospel by like wearing clothes that were made in a sweatshop or eating food that is going <laughs> to exactly. get thrown out and just yeah the, the uniqueness of like when they are expressing that that wrestling or that struggle it's like much more in line with like actually living out the things that Jesus <laughs> talked about a lot. Um, which yeah, Sounds like you're unique. talking about a bunch of woke bullshit. John. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. woke. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I got some butt, canceled got some, before you keep, keep talking this way. Got some Bud Lights over there. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, we're not going to get into that. No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, to return to like the specialness of the live experience and how they sort of presented themselves, you know, this was never a band that was going to be like, we're up on the stage and you're in the crowd, you know, it was very like communal to the point of the, the potluck idea and all that. But like, um, you have written thoughtfully about the band, uh, several times, uh, on your website. And one of those was the story we were talking about, um, uh, before we started recording a little bit of like your friend who had gotten, uh, involved in sort of organizing a, a show for them as a teenager, and um, you could talk a little bit about that if you want, but I wanted to read this one passage from it um, because I feel like it articulates uh, the sort of me without you ethos in, in such a cool way. Um, you wrote, throughout that evening, it became clear to us, the band was no longer an other and all those who joined this event were not an other. We, each and every one of us were part of the other. We were part of an event far more expansive than any each one of us. Um, which is just so wow, in keeping. I used to be such a good writer when I was in seminary. What happened <laughs> to that kind of writing? You sounded good. I mean, uh, yeah, you're probably writing more papers and stuff then, right? Um, yeah, I, I I, think it just like really encapsulates a lot of what we're going to talk about in the album discussion this week with Brother Sister, where it's like, um, I do not exist. You know, like we are all, we are all one. We are connected. This expression of connectivity to the other, whether that's other people or God or a spiritual force, um, and how that, how that expressed itself in their, in their live show and in their music and in their lived ethics, as you were saying, but yeah, I mean, is there, is there something about that, uh, you know, articulating the experience that sort of, uh, you wanted to get at when you were, when you were writing that piece and thinking about that kind of show? Yeah, it actually, I think, even is articulated well by a person named Josh Goggin, who I mentioned a bit ago, who was the the lead singer for The Chariot. And when The Chariot used to open their shows, they would, Josh Goggin would scream out, uh, you know, right before they would play the first note of their first song, that he would scream out, this stage is your stage. This microphone is your microphone. Be cool. free. 
Yeah. And he would, you know, say that every single show. And, and I think that really encapsulates what Me Without You was also doing, where people were running around being, you know, nuts and just being free, really. Uh, and, and I love that about Me Without You shows. And what's really cool is, you know, I could go to a Me Without You show by myself, you know, where everybody there is a stranger and you leave there with a few friends. Uh, that's always how Me Without You shows always felt for me. And, and not every band is like that. I've gone to a lot of bands. Uh, shows where I didn't know anybody going to that show and you don't leave with anybody being your friend and uh, but me without you shows were always different and that's because I think everybody there just had a similar kind of commitment in life you know they were all very committed to that communal like let's all do this together let's uh let's love one another and uh let's try to make a friend here tonight and there was that commitment by Mm-hmm. every single person at these me without you shows and so it was really cool uh to to just experience that and i got to experience it a number of times at me without you shows and so yeah that that to me is always the thing when i think back of that like communal nature of me without you shows it was the <clears throat> fact that you would leave there with friends yeah that's i mean what a what a beautiful way to sort of structure your performances like live expressions of this music and this ethos like for that to be the result is is really cool um so as you're like, as you think about the records, is there is there an album that you identify as like your favorite one or the standout, or is it not? Like, how do you think about that? Yeah, the one that I, is my personal favorite is Pale Horses. Um, okay, they're the just I, I don't know what it is, the movements of the songs and everything, and then certainly I think Rain, Rainbow Signs is probably my favorite closer of any new without you. Um, album and that that includes brother sister uh but yeah i I really love pale horses i do think brother sister or even like catch us for the foxes is probably the best maybe one of the better representations of what me without you does Uh, you know those are probably to this day maybe the their most famous albums if you will i think brother sister probably maybe sold more albums than any other one of their albums and certainly i think catch us for the foxes uh or i always say it wrong catch for us the foxes um uh, those two albums are probably their most famous ones. And and I like totally recognize that. And I think they're great. Um, but uh, yeah, Pale Horses to this day is my favorite. And uh, I think Untitled is up there for me, probably in that top like two or three, top four, th- definitely in the top half of my favorite albums of theirs. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I, that's kind of how I would maybe rank those a little bit. But certainly Pale Horses is my favorite. What is it about that record in particular that stands out for you? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. It, it caught me at an interesting time of life. Uh, by that point, uh, you know, I, I wasn't so interested in it's all crazy. I've, I've slowly later on in life have come to really love that album. Uh, and, and ten horse or t- t- sorry, ten horses, uh, ten stories. I really enjoyed a lot of lot of that album, but it didn't really quite hit me in the same way that an album like uh, Brother Sister had hit me, or even Catch for Us the Foxes. But then when Pale Horses came out, there was just something about it. Maybe it was just because they were heavier songs or something. I don't know what it was, but it just hit me in a really interesting way in in that time of life. And I just really fell in love with it right away. And, uh, but I don't think when I first heard it that I was like, oh, this is my favorite Me Without You album. That has slowly grown uh, to be, become the case. And so, you know, every, whenever I revisit these albums, I kind of like, where did, where did these all rank? And it just, Pale Horses was one of those ones that just like consistently kept creeping up and creeping up to the point now where I think I can definitively say it's my favorite. Uh, in terms of the songs, you know, you get the, just such a good mix of what Me Without You does really well. 
you know, there's not a lot of acoustic instrumentation in the album that there, I think there's a few songs that have a little bit of that, but you get a lot of the really unbelievable unbelievable indie guitar licks in that mm -hmm. album just a lot of indie cool just really cool indie sounds and then you obviously get the really heavy stuff you know like red cow being one of those really heavy songs that just will like melt your face and then obviously the the crescendo that happens in in rainbow signs is one of my favorites ever and so yeah the, and it just does everything that me without you does well that and later on when i was in seminary i think it was around seminary that it kind of slowly crept up to become my favorite and I think part of the reason was I really got into like existentialism I really got into like apocalyptic theology at the time when I was in seminary started reading a lot of that and then started realizing like oh like that's a lot of what Aaron's talking about here yeah. and so I think I really fell in love with that album because at the time in seminary I was learning a lot of this kind of theology and then obviously the the sort of sonic accompaniment of Pale Horses really added to that um just th that intrigue yeah that's great. I mean, we were talking about this a little last week that, uh, so, you know, it's kind of a like under the radar candidate for some folks as, as naming it their favorite one. Um, I think in part because of a little bit what you're identifying with, like a little bit of a return to form to like some heaviness after a couple of albums moving away from that. So it definitely has a, a, a sacred spot for a lot of uh, fans, I think. Um, yeah, as much as I love It's All Crazy and Ten, Hor uh, Ten Stories, I, I love both of those albums, but I do think Me Without You is at their best when they're like heavy, or at least mixing in some of that heaviness into their sound. They are so yeah. good at that. They, yeah. they figure that out very well. And so I, I think it was a right move for them to return to that. I'm, I'm glad that they explored what they did explore on All Crazy and and stories but yeah there is something about when they get into that heavy part of their songs they do yeah. it almost better than anyone else and that includes yeah. a lot of legitimate hardcore bands too right yeah yeah that's part of the beauty of what they're able to pull off is those um you know turning on a dime to like brand new sort of sonic territory where it's like we talk a lot about this the these these verses that are like have a, a groove and like a bass jazz rhythm section going and maybe like a pretty ethereal guitar and then just like turns on a dime at the chorus and suddenly it's a hardcore song. And yeah, the ability to sort of encapsulate both of those things within their songs uh, for, for so much of their output, I think is, is what makes it really unique. Um, yeah, just a somehow a, a controlled chaos yeah. that the, the music and the rhythm and everything is just is so tight while Aaron is losing his mind. And I think when you <laughs> see, when you see those two things happening live, you're just, and you see how he conducts himself on stage. You're just like, Oh my God, this is, this makes, this makes a whole lot of sense. This kind of the energy behind, behind all these songs. Um, yeah. But the, the grooves, the bass and the the bass and the drum grooves that they got going on. And it's just like, oh man, that's I mean, the guitar work is always incredible. The the noodly guitars and stuff is just love it. But I'm I'm just so here for those those tasty bass riffs. Absolutely. Um well, Mason, this has been super rad getting to hear about your relationship to the band. Uh before we ask you to talk a little bit about your work and your podcast is there anything else 
you want to touch on within the me without you universe uh, that we didn't get to address at all? Well, are we supposed to talk about brother sister in, in particular? I feel like we, we've yeah, kind of I mean, not talked should, about it so much. Let's do it, man. I mean, we're 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 diving deep uh, this week, but are there you know are there particular thematic elements or songs or things that you want to call out about the album? Uh, I mean, here, here's what, one of the things that I love about brother sister. And again, I got into me without you when, well, I guess catch for us came out, but uh, I, I don't really remember the album release of brother sister. Like, I don't remember like, you know, pre-ordering it and getting it on CD and then opening up on the day that, you know, the album released it. I don't remember any of that. But what I do, kind of looking back, what I love about Brother Sister and the way that it opens is here you have, uh, you know, it's coming off of Catch for Us the Foxes, right? And there's a lot, a lot of heaviness going on in that album. And then, you know, certainly that album ends ends like on a slow note with uh, Son of a Widow. But right. then Brother Sister opens up with me- uh, Messes for Men. And it's just like this you know, great little guitar, acoustic guitar thing going on with the rain in the background. It sounds mm-hmm. so pretty. And it's like, I've never heard rain yeah, as right. uh, <laughs> a track in a song before. That's super cool. Uh-huh. And so it, it was just, it's so interesting, like how it opens. And then, um, yeah, it's just, it's it's a lot different. I still remember uh, when the music video came out for Nice and Blue. And I was like, this is the, the strangest music uh-huh. video ever where they're like, you know, getting ready to do some sort of like swimming competition or whatever. And <laughs> they're shaving their legs and stuff. And I, uh-huh. I still, I, it looked like they were legitimately shaving their legs in that shower. And I, knowing those guys from me without you, they are the hairiest men ever. <laughs> and yeah. I can't imagine what that shower drain looked like after they all <laughs> shaved their legs. Um, yeah. But what an interesting music video. Uh, and then obviously you have like in a sweater, poorly in that, right. And mm-hmm. probably, probably their most famous song maybe i I don't know like i know they ended their sets a lot of times with that song but uh what an unbelievable like ending and i I still remember being in like you know sixth or seventh grade when i first heard the album and being like wow this is unbelievable like i i would have never guessed me without you would make this kind of sound and it's so catchy Mm -hmm. um but one of the things that was really cool about kind of diving into the album more when I got a little older. I was probably maybe eighth grade or so um, and probably illegally downloaded it off of like LimeWire or something. But (laughs) I remember listening to Oh Porcupine for the first time. And that was my first introduction to Jeremy um, Enoch and listening to Sunny Day Real Estate. Uh, And I was just like blown away by how unique his vocals are. And right. And Aaron Weiss's vocals are already super unique. Like Aaron Weiss's vocals, you can pick it out from any song ever. And yet, to almost be like trumped by that by Jeremy Enoch's unique vocals. Like I think Jeremy yeah. probably has the most unique vocals I've ever heard in my life. Uh, and, and for for someone like Jeremy Enoch, you know, just screaming along in that song, it's just unbelievable. So that's probably one of my favorite songs. And then yeah, I don't know. There's just so many highlights that al- to that album. Uh, just unbelievable. And uh, yeah, it's it's just you can't you can't really beat it. There's a reason why it's probably their most, uh, probably their most famous album, but, uh, just unbelievable. Yeah. I'm glad you, you circled back to brother sister. Cause we, I mean, that's, that is Andrew and my favorite album of theirs. And I think a lot of what you're talking about is why, um, yeah, I mean, I, there were, there were things that, uh, 
were expressed. I mean, yeah, I don't want to blow too many of our takes. We're going to get to in the next part of our podcast, but like in a sweater, poorly knit, I think is the sort of like culminating moment, sort of musically and thematically for me with the me without you experience in a way that, um, when I hear it now and when I now I'm able to think about seeing that song live at the farewell tour is always just going to like, it hits me in a, in a very deep way. And now all the more for having seen it live, but yeah, there, there's something, I mean, I appreciate you calling out pale horses and other records and, and they are doing really interesting things on all the records, but there's something about brother sister to me. That's kind of like the definitive me without you expression in a way. Um, and I think, yeah, I uh, think a lot of people think about this album in that way, where it, it does all the things that Me Without You does well. You get the really cool indie guitar licks. You get the uh, certainly there's a lot of acoustic instruments going on in this one. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you also get some really heavy parts of that album. Like, you know, uh, I think it's uh, in a market in a market dimly lit that chorus. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that sound that chorus could be yeah. on AB life. I mean, it's it's that yeah. heavy and. Uh, and certainly there's a few other songs like that where it's just super heavy parts, uh, parts to the album. But uh, yeah, I, but then you also have this like, great acoustic instrumentation as well. And so, yeah, it just does all the things Me Without You does really well. Yeah. Co-sign that. Fully yeah. agree. And they, especially on these these first few records, um, <clears throat> to be fair, like something that John and I have talked about, like, one of the reasons we're having guests on for these is that we don't know their discography inside and out. Like, um, like you and Meg do, for example, um, like we should, like we should. And it's, and that's something that we've sort of like, why we just don't, we just don't know why we haven't, um, done the deep dive, but the, the, some of the lyrics that tie these albums together, um, there's just like a through line. There's so much uh, self-referential um, lyrics that sort of mirror lyrics on other albums that kind of tie a lot of themes back together. And I, yeah, I just find that so compelling. Um, I mean, talk about the the journey. It's like this album, you know, uh, Catch for Us the Foxes, um, is not a static piece of art. It's living and a part of the growth experience of Aaron in the band. And it's still connected to just like everything else. It's all connected and it's all part of part of everything. So I feel like um, weaving all of it together just um, feels like you're listening to a piece, you know, it's um, you're like, Oh, this is um, you know, the, what, what, what's the name of the song? uh <clears throat> you know nice and blue part two um right being um a continuation and you know c minor that continues to be you know that uh on uh there's you know d minor comes later um mm-hmm. you know there's yeah, just like the binary just keep... that you see in ab life that is in it's all crazy yeah there's just so much i just i appreciate that you know um i don't and i don't even think about it necessarily as like easter eggs or anything but i just think it's that aaron's brain works and he's he's like he's never finished telling a story he just keeps the Mm -hmm. continuing the story yeah Mm -hmm. i love that it's a it's a rich tapestry Mm -hmm. the me without you narrative 
Um, cool. Well, Mason, thank you so much for this. Um, we love, uh, we love talking to me without you with people who can really help us articulate what makes them so special. So this has been great. Um, before you go, uh, for folks who don't know, could you talk a little bit about each of your podcasts and what you are trying to do over on those shows? Yeah. So I have a podcast called the black sheep podcast, black and sheep being one word. And we interview a lot of artists uh, like me without you. We've had, um, we've had Greg from me without you on before. Um, not actually a uh, little sneak peek. Uh, he will be on later on in this fall again. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, like right now we're going through a ton of furnace fest bands. So if you're going to be a person that's going to be at furnace fest, a lot of the bands that you're going to see there, we're interviewing right now and putting out their, uh, their episodes. So uh, yeah, I mean, if you're a person that is really into me without you or any of that kind of world that we all grew up with, uh, we've probably interviewed a lot of those bands. So uh, yeah, that's a it's a real treat to be able to do that. Uh, and then I have a theology podcast called A People's Theology, uh, and you can check that out as well. So if you're a person who really is interested in theology and thinking about theology and Christianity in different ways, uh, it might be a, a podcast worth listening. So yeah, those are the two podcasts that I host. Uh, and then I have a, a YouTube channel as well. Uh, where I, yeah, it was, it's mostly kind of a theology channel where I talk about theology and try to make lots of jokes and whatnot. So uh, if you're a person that likes uh, good Christian jokes, good Christian fun, and uh, and also uh, is really interested in thinking about theology in different ways, maybe my YouTube channel might be of interest too. So, yeah. Absolutely. Fully endorse both those pods and that YouTube channel. Um, go check them out. And then uh, if folks want to find you online, uh, where can they do that? Yeah, you can find me kind of anywhere online. Uh, you can follow me at Mason Menega on Twitter. Uh, I'm the only other Mason Menega in the world. Uh, other, there's wow. there's two of us. There's two okay. Mason Menegas in the world. The one that one of them is not on the internet at all. Uh, and then there's me. So if, if you find a Mason Menega on the internet, it's probably going to be me. Uh, and so you can find me at uh, Twitter. Uh, same thing with Instagram. I'm pretty active on Instagram and. Uh, yeah, like I mentioned, yeah, you can find my YouTube channel as well. And uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can listen to those two podcasts. Right on. Go do it, everyone. If you're not if you're not following Mason already on the socials, do yourself a favor. Um, thanks so much for this, man. Where we uh, we loved uh, this conversation and and getting to dive deeper into me without you as we go on here. So thanks. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Thank you to Mason Meninga for that great conversation. Uh, thoughtful guy. Makes sense that he loves this thoughtful band. Um, yes. And got a lot more thoughts to share about oh, Brother man. Sister. So many thoughts. So <laughs> yeah. many thoughtful thoughts. Um, That's right. Is this going to be another long one? I don't know. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's only two of us this time versus three. So maybe... Three That's... people equals three hours, two equals two and a half. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, maybe we take a little break and then uh, dive into that brother, sister. I mean, whatever your kink is, bro. I don't. <laughs> I don't you know? We did talk about the importance of Googling this yes. phrase carefully. <laughs> very being very careful mm-hmm. with you have to start with the band. <laughs> right, you right. know, you can't just Google this on your on its own. Oh, don't right, put when... feet in there. <laughs> when we come back, we will get into the 2006 Me Without You record, Brother, Sister. We're not going to take it. <laughs> now.
We're back. We're talking me without you talking brother sister. Indeed. Oh my god, this album <laughs> fucking <laughs> pretty rules. good. Pretty good. Uh I will say that we talked Catch Rest of Foxes last week and I said that according to my rating system, all songs <laughs> on that record were yellow. Uh-huh. Uh meaning love it. Uh spoiler, every song on this record is yellow for me and uh every song on A to B Life uh, yellow for me also. <laughs> so, I maybe not since uh, Pedro at the beginning of the season. I'm trying to think of the last like run of just I love yeah. every song on every record we've talked about. I know. Um, and this there we alluded to this at the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. um the top three yeah for this record means absolutely nothing <laughs> because it's it's impossible it's an impossible task to choose uh three songs on this record that are my favorite because i love every single song on this record uh i could Agreed. make an argument for a top three of any three songs on this record um so my top three are just the spider songs (laughs) and the spider trilogy to me Mm -hmm. could count as a single song if you wanted yeah um but yeah i it 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 was it it was a futile exercise in trying to be like putting putting three songs like because they're they're so good every song is so good so it's true I, i i feel pretty strongly about my one and two and then there's like three more that could fit into my third slot pretty easily i feel um, so strongly about any so many songs that could be in the number one spot but yeah i think that's fair too for the sake of the exercise i have three songs but sure but you know anyway what is what is lists do not exist our top yes. three does not <laughs> exist um i faithfully insist that these <laughs> lists um that's right yeah, this anyway. is uh yeah, this is one of my favorite albums we've ever discussed on the podcast. Uh it is their third album. It was released 2006, September 26th on Tooth and Nail. Uh again, produced, recorded, and mixed by Brad Wood. Uh same band lineup as last record as well. Uh this time though, oh. ma- mastered by Emily Lazar, who has a ton of credits, uh, including Carly Rae Jepsen, Andrew. Um Ooh. She has a, a ton of, uh, you know, That's engineering and master grants. What's her deal? deal? <laughs> I don't know. I'll best uh, sure and find out. Okay. Um, and again, uh, you got that cover art by painter Vasily Kafanov, uh, a.k.a. Fish Tower. Um, his name on Instagram is at Fish Tower. Mm. And he left a comment on our post uh, about the album with just a hot face emoji, <laughs> <laughs> which I guess he's like, Hey, it's hot that you're you're talking about my my record. I don't know, um, but uh, he rules. And as we said, he did the uh, paintings for all of the uh, cover art for every Me Without You record. Um, but the the fish tower thing, yeah, uh, comes from uh, one of the songs, which we'll get into. Um, but that kind of became like an identifying iconography for the band, um, kind of a symbol. Um, but on the cover of this one, you got the sun, the moon, and that and that fish tower in the middle. Yeah, uh, that's uh, you know, o-, o porcupine is the one that specifically talks about it. But there's sun and moon references abound on this record. Yes, um, and you know, we'll get into a little bit what that means. But 
the uh, the album's title comes from a verse in the Bhagavad Gita. Did I say that right? Yeah. Bhagavad Gita. Um, you are without beginning, middle, or end. You touch everything with your indefinite power. The sun and the moon are your eyes, and your mouth is fire. Your radiance warms the cosmos. Um, that as well as uh, St. Francis, which we talked a little about last week. I think the, the St. Francis influence grows with their records uh, as they go on, but specifically here the canticle brother son sister moon that he wrote um and the you know the focus on animals really takes off on this record but but grows even more later um but i don't know i love this imagery on the cover i love the idea of the sun and moon being like a way for aaron and the band to sort of express their ongoing sort of wrestling with understanding god and with our place in the universe um much much to chew on here as we'll as we'll dissect these songs um but uh yeah i mean like the last album lots of roomy here as well um and a and a similar pulling from many expressions and traditions and and different uh ways to describe god um and yeah the opening closing idea of i do not exist which we've referenced a few times um Aaron has said that that's like the best he's been able to articulate his beliefs. Um, and that everything he said since then has kind of just been variations on that theme. Um, so for a lot of reasons, I feel like this is, this is kind of the, the text for me without you, like the central yeah. uh, artistic and thematic statement for them. And I can't speak to the discography after this record because sure. it's just, I don't know it as, nearly as well as this yeah but you know the the moon and the sun also uh important symbols in islam you know mm-hmm. which also part of his yes um faith past tradition um so yeah there's it's you know christianity mm-hmm. um uh but the Bhagavad Gita. So we're talking Hinduism, uh, talking, um, you know, and Sufi mm-hmm. uh, or, or, um, not, not Sufi, uh, Rumi, Rumi talking Rumi, um, a Sufi poet, a Sufi poet. Yes. Uh, so there's just, yeah, there's again, rich texts, rich references, mm-hmm. a, and a rich lyrical bounty ahead Indeed. of us. Once again, we are indebted to sites like Genius this week uh, <laughs> oh for all God. the citations and, and notations and uh, insights we wouldn't have had without some of these uh, online resources. So grateful for that. Um, but yeah. Uh, and we don't you know, have Meg with us this week. To... I know. Yeah. We're <laughs> struggling on our own a little we here. Should, we should get a phone a friend. Be I think like, so. Hey. For particularly stumped, we might have to call her in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very similar to, to Catch Press the Foxes um, in a lot of ways, but I'd say like even further away from sort of those post-hardcore origins, like uh, those elements are certainly still there, but I think they're they're getting further out from it as they go. Um, and some some important guests on this record, Andrew. We were oh. we were talking on Othello, but Andrew Dost and Brett Wallen of Othello showing up on horns a couple times here uh pretty cool and then you know jeremy enoch casual the sunny ca- day superstar indie indie legend <laughs> indie king 
throw him in there a couple times. We got uh Timber, the harpist, showing up on harp a couple times. So yep. um very uh rich sounding record uh with some really cool guests rounding it out. Um I love the way all the songs bleed into each other on this record. It feels yes. very cohesive as a statement. Um and I think, yeah, there are I don't know. I I'd say like, you know, we all kind of agreed this is sort of our number one uh record, but I'd say it's kind of like a one A and a one B as far as Brother Sister and Catch First the Foxes for me. There are some maybe songs that like I might like a little better on Catch First the Foxes, but as a like cohesive album i think this is is perfect i mean there's not really i can't argue with this as like an overall collection of songs um yeah i don't know what do you think the riffs on this record um i feel like uh are a little bit more memorable and Mm -hmm. they go a bit harder at times Mm -hmm. on this record um and i also just think it sounds richer and i think they just sort of dialed it in a little bit Mm -hmm. more from uh the previous record and i think they tried some interesting stuff Mm -hmm. and especially with uh with the first song they tried uh brad wood uh Mm -hmm. there's he has an instagram post that talks about oh yeah i got this in my notes too (laughs) we'll get there shortly yeah um they also got uh, Kermit to show up on a few of these songs, which is like a, a pretty big guest get. I do not uh, exist. <laughs> Piggy, you do not exist. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is great. Um, yes. Uh, uh, much to dive into here. I'll just say also, like the last record, once again, uh, very well reviewed in both mm. the Christian and secular press. And again, sold well. I mean, it reached... 116 on the billboard top 200 just overall which is pretty awesome um especially for a record that's largely about you know the struggle to live out your faith authentically (laughs) and like wrestling with self-doubt yeah so i don't know uh should we should we hear some of that sweet sweet rain to to get us started yes (laughs) let's get into opening track messes of men oh baby Oh, it's so good immediately. <laughs> I do not exist. Faith exists. Failing in our separate chips from each tiny caravel. Tiring and trying. The necessary dime. Like the horseshoe crab in its proper season. Shed its shell, such distance from our friend, like a scratch across the land. Made everything look wrong from anywhere we stood. Our paper blew away before we'd left the bay. So half blind, we wrote these songs on sheets of salty wood. Caught me making eyes at the other boatman's wife, and heard me laughing louder at the jokes told by their daughter. I'd said my course would land, but you well understand. It takes a steady hand. To navigate the gulf of water, propeller spinning planes held acquaintance with the wave. As there's mistakes I've made, no rowing could outrun. Clock won't man, I say I got no past. I'm nonetheless a librarian and secretary's son. With tarnish on my grass, mildew on my glass. I never want some 
so good. It's this, hard to not just play all of it. Yeah, it's hard not to play all of it. It's also impossible um, for me to not have this in my top three because <clears throat> it it could be my number one. It could sure. be anywhere in my top three. It's but today uh, it's what. It, <laughs> Is I it don't in know there? what it is. It's not in my top three. Okay, it's my number three. It's, okay, it's it's in there for this exercise. I love it so much. I do. Um, I, I do love it so much. It could ugh, stupid. <laughs> this ex, this is dumb. <laughs> it is. I mean, you know, we, we should say it's also very arbitrary that we should super stop super arbitrary. Um, but I will say, like, we didn't even really get to the stuff that kind of makes it uh, in my top three. But the end, like the last minute, I mean, all of it, every, every, every turn they take, you know, for the court. I mean, first of all, there's that like jangly guitar just in and the chord progression. Interesting rhythm. Yeah, I love it. Interesting melody, interesting rhythm. And then with the chorus, though, there's comes this like heft to it. There's like bells. And yes. when it kind of culminates in the, oh my, my God, God. Yeah. with like all the voices, I'm just like, ugh. so that's great. And then for the final section of the song, it switches into this like jazzier jam with another great baseline groove in there. Um, so good. So good. The baseline is so thick, so tasty. Mm. We, uh. we, we talked about the importance of the rhythm section to this band um, yes. and the fact that this one ends with just the bass and drums going off. I love that turn that it takes. So yeah, every, every single element rules here, uh, starting with the rain, which yes. I have that quote from Brad Wood here uh, that I can read from that Instagram post. Um, he said, uh, so he took he took a picture at the time of Aaron Weiss singing outside in the rain and recorded it there. And he said, Aaron Weiss singing in the rain. I don't remember whose idea it was to have him stand in the pouring rain, but it was perfect. It sets up the album in a really dramatic way. And when the band erupts into the second verse, it's as if they were thunder itself. I love me without you unabashedly. And Brother Sister is one of my proudest moments as a producer. Inspiring and thoughtful and intense. What more could you ever want from a band? Which... Mm perfectly encapsulates uh all of it i feel i love the idea that it's like thunder erupting as the band i love the idea that somebody was like what if you stood outside in the rain right now and just recorded out there and just yeah it immediately sets this mood it's interesting it pulls you in that warm guitar comes in on top of yes. it right away it's just like <laughs> oh baby i'm ready to get into the rain with these guys and, and go where they're taking me um so cool lyrically Mm-hmm. The opening of the album, I do not exist. Mm-hmm. Definitely a theme, yes. Um, throughout this record, this track, uh, heavily influenced by a Rumi poem, um, indeed, called "Only Breath." Only breath. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I have the uh, a passage of the poem here. Uh, He said, I am not from the east or the west, not out of the ocean or up from the ground, not natural or ethereal, not composed of elements at all. I do not exist. I'm not an entity in this world or in the next, Um, which I love. And we talked about this a little bit last week, you know, the idea of. uh, I think it's interesting that like the first record is very rooted A to B life in this um, relationship, like in an earthly relationship and an ending and him wrestling with sort of his place in the world post that relationship and then merging that loss with like a relationship to God. And it feels like that record concludes with like maybe a bit of a like dying to the self idea, like because of the sort of pain of 
ending this relationship wondering what your sort of place is and then like accepting death in a certain way kind of like you were saying earlier um or at least in the idea of death as a metaphor of like accepting death to self and my place in the larger community in connection with with god or a spiritual force and um it's really expanded sort of with each record and by the time again we get here it's sort of like their mission statement of um you know we are all connected together to god and to each other and this album is pretty much exploring that with every song in a different way um and here kind of using this metaphor of like sailing a ship to talk about sort of falling short or or moral failure here um yeah but i don't know as much as i love the idea i do wonder a little bit what you think of it sort of as someone who's talked about the ways in which sometimes religion can put the idea of like self actualization as like an unimportant thing or like something right. you shouldn't aspire to. Right. Um, and that's something we talked about with the Pedro episodes where it's like, he took a long time to be like the way that I feel matters and like right. paying attention to my body and who I am. Right. Matters. So I don't know. I I wondered if you, I don't know, wrestled with this at all in, in sort of the context of the importance of awareness of self, or if you are not getting hung up on that and I'm just thinking about it in a way that like maybe people don't actually bump on. I don't know. Well, I, I don't know if I necessarily bump on it. Um, I I can appreciate what Aaron is talking yeah. about within the context of also emphasizing the importance of of the other, yeah. of loving other people, of the unity of all of us, the oneness of all of us, as opposed to just being like, I'm a giant piece of shit and right. I don't I don't matter. And I could mm. I could understand why some people could interpret um or pr- promote I understand how people could be evangelical and promote that kind of way of thinking about the self and that we have to die to self and and that does bum me out. Um yeah. I don't know if that is entirely what i i'm I'm getting from this yeah um i i do i do agree that uh christianity i I guess i i can't speak for other faith traditions yeah maybe saying religion broadly was unfair but no well i don't know i i know what you're i know what you were trying to say um but yeah the emphasis on you know, this life doesn't matter. It's all about the next life, you know, store mm-hmm. up things in heaven. Don't store up things on earth. This life, I like that. That is definitely a theology that I think sucks. Right. Um, but I, I think with the things that Aaron emphasizes, yeah. you know, if he, if he truly didn't care about this, right. this life now, he wouldn't, spend so much time trying to be like hey let's make sure people are fed let's right try not to have you know let's try and have our bus not pollute and let's mm-hmm. try and have a community like that then those things wouldn't matter those things would be so i yeah but i do think with any faith 
there are things that are constantly at tension. Yeah. I mean, that's what this, in my understanding too, about this, this roomy poem, it's like, he's basically saying he's looking at things as like, life is not dualistic. It's mm-hmm. like our, our boy Richard Rohr talks about, That's right. you know, a non-dualistic approach to things. Um, not, I'm not Christian or Jew or Muslim, not Hindu, Buddhist, Sufi or Zen, not any religion or cultural system. I'm not from the East or the West as, you know, as you were saying, I think that's different than, you know, yeah. like what so many Christian tradition, like the Christian traditions do at weddings where it's like the unity candle or like, mm-hmm. you know, pouring the sand, you know, from two different things into one. It's like, you know, you're denying your own identity and sure. That, that stuff bums me out. Um, yeah. I think there's yeah. more meat to this. I agree. Um, and I didn't, I didn't take it as like, Oh, this is like problematic or, or it has like something we need to do like sort of caveat about, but I guess as I am just articulating how much this expression means to me, it did occur to me that some people might hear that and be like, no, the sort of, uh, you know, theological uh, t- tendency to deny yourself is uh, not a good, not a good way. But, um, you know, to your point, there are songs later where he articulates the idea that uh, heaven or like what we're striving for is actually here right now with the people that were around. So I, I don't think he would get down for that kind of thinking either. Anyway, oh, you, do you think, do you think we've uh, for the, past couple thousand years have been misinterpreting uh Mm, what man i wonder so i feel like the orthodoxy of the christian 20th century is just what it's always been and and oh cool clearly yeah all right yeah no questions asked got it perfect um so that song fucking rules yeah Uh, but we need we do need to get to this sick little jammy part here towards the end let's do it Show you anything beautiful So good. Man, Love it. it's those feedbacky guitars going on, mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. little textured sound effects. You got some, we're, we're some BTBs on this record, bro. It's true. It's true. Big texture boys all the way around. I don't know if yeah. those are like, uh, <clears throat> it sounds like, like, like sandpaper or something, like, mm-hmm. or something yeah. going there's on always, back there. It's there's like always cool percussive stuff happening yeah Yeah, i think that's why the fugazi comparison does come for me because it's like there aren't that many bands that do these like jangly punk riffs yeah into sort of feedbacky delay guitar while all of a sudden like a funky bass line and like a very percussive uh drum sound comes in on top of that like it's just a really cool mix to be able to turn on a dime from Right. hardcore to funk <laughs> it's i like yeah. it a lot you're not and you're not hardcore unless you live hardcore that's just true that's how i say it um the legend then... <laughs> of the rent was way hardcore, way hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
um who was i i don't remember where i was or what i was watching but somebody was i can't remember what it was but i remember kristen and i were watching something and somebody was talking about how uh school of rock wasn't that great and we're both like Uh. what that movie is incredible like that's it's such a terrible take for anybody to be like no that's not a great movie Uh, let's rock let's rock today yes let's rock let's rock today uh so messes the men goes from that ending of the bass and then the and the drums just going Mm -hmm. right into the dryness and the rain. This also could easily be in my top three, but alas, it is not. It's just outside (laughs) my top three. It's probably my number four. Um, So good. So Um, good. The the opening lyrics, first came a strong wind ripping off rooftops like bottle caps. Mm. Oh, God. It's (laughs) such a... he. What is it with his opening lines just being so... Yeah, he knows how to open a song. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, then came a thunder shattering my window. He's <laughs> yeah. got he's got the he's got the Aaron Weiss thing going on. He's got the, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm gonna start like this, and then, and I'm, then gonna I'm gonna go, go up, up here. <laughs> yeah. Um, Love yeah. it so much. I mean, that uh, that combination of that really cool riff, and that that kind of story you're talking about that he's opening with. I mean, he's talking about. Um, uh, first Kings, right? Like God appearing to Elijah as a whisper after thinking he sees God in the wind and the fire and all these like big, uh, you know, nature moments. Um, but then is surprised to find God showing up in unsuspecting place instead, uh, which is a theme also explored on other right. records of theirs. Yes. Um, but yeah, I love that, that it's like, ripping off rooftops and bending lamps and thunder, but you were not that strong wind or that mighty sound. And you're like, Oh, where are we going? Um, but yeah, obviously by the time we get to that chorus, it's just like, you know, these chanted group vocals, pounding toms and cymbals. It <laughs> yeah. takes such a cool turn. Um, and, yeah. and the chorus in Arabic, Isa uh, Ruhula Alayhi Salat Wasalam, Jesus, the soul of God, peace and prayers be upon him. Uh, that same prayer is also used in the final verse, uh, which is also in Arabic, um, which translates to, we ask for your forgiveness, O judge, O Lord of majesty and generosity. Um, and then there's kind of an additional stanza 
at the end with different names for Allah given ending yes, in the, Akbar, God is the greatest. Yes. Not the, uh, in Islam, the, you know, the 99 names mm-hmm. of Allah, um, which I think is when I was in, um, when I was in seminary, I took, um, a class on, um, on Muhammad mm-hmm. and, reading there's like was essentially the my first um real serious introduction to islam and the stories of of muhammad and mm-hmm. i mean i i would encourage people if they haven't really done much yeah. reading or studying of islam there's some really great um texts that mm-hmm. i read maybe maybe i don't know maybe it'd be worth just like linking some or something if um if people sure. are interested i can throw those in the discord or anything if people are yeah. curious um but it is a a very very rich uh abrahamic tradition and mm-hmm. um i think you know in these post 911 uh decades which i even hate saying sure. um uh there's a lot there's a lot that has been said especially with the you know about the Allahu Akbar um but i i don't know it it gave me a great gave me a greater appreciation um and uh respect for a tradition that i didn't have much um knowledge or, or previous appreciation for yeah um i somewhat similarly in high school took a world religions course uh and this was at a time when i was not identifying as christian and uh felt very i mean not just uh learning about islam learning about other traditions but felt very uh moved and and convicted by a lot of uh the uh sort of lessons and things we learned about muhammad and Mm -hmm. um and the quran and i remember having discussions with uh muslim friends in my 20s when i was living in dc who were kind of saying like you know the continuation of christianity from judaism is like the tradition continues through islam so you know saying that like the same way that you know the old testament feeds into the new testament for you like old to new feeds into the quran for me and i see you know muhammad is part of the tradition of you know Moses to Jesus to and I, I, I don't know it it was a um I don't know I, I, that's not like a new idea I understand that sort of like it's a continuation of those um different traditions but it was uh just a moment that I remember a lot because it was like a uh yeah this is this acknowledgement that like oh well you you have decided as as Christians that you sort of like take <laughs> a lot of the tradition of Judaism but right. say like, but that was in the end, it kept going. And then to be like, but that was it, that it stopped for them to be like, but we think it kept going after that too. Um, right. So anyway, yes, much to uh, appreciate about that, especially for a Christian band five years after 9-11 to sing Allah Akbar yeah. in a chorus is pretty cool. Yes. Um. So yeah, never, never a band to shy to away from that. In the top 200. Right, right. It rules. Also wanted to call out lyrically, uh, the first part of the bridge, uh, he says, a fish swims in the sea while the sea is in a certain sense contained within the fish. 
which is a paraphrase of a Rumi poem again here. I think the idea also being connectivity, you know, I do not exist. We're all connected to each other and to God. Um, but that's a, that's a cool idea. And then the second part of the bridge says, Oh, what am I to think what the writing of a thousand lifetimes could not explain if all the forest trees were pens and all the oceans ink, uh, which is again, a, a Quran passage, uh, like a paraphrasing of it. Um, but these are both just like, even within that bridge, both those two parts, there's so much to unpack in both of those. Yeah. And they're both so fascinating. And, yeah. you know, like we've said, you could, there's a, there's a reference to a poem or some sort of ancient monastic or Bible verse or Quran verse, like every, every verse or chorus, there's five of those. So it's tough to keep up with all of them, but those are particularly uh, beautiful ones. I thought. Yeah. I mean, kind of going from our beginning of the season where we talked about Pedro to Mm -hmm. ending it with talking about me without you, this line, Oh, what am I to think what the writing of a thousand lifetimes could not explain? Uh, makes me think of you know uh bazan being like and i you know i can't sing it like i think it and i can't think Mm -hmm. it like you know just it's so difficult at times to try to convey what we are thinking or what we believe or to Mm -hmm. make sense of things and him being like you know like all of this stuff has been talked about for right forever yeah. And how am I supposed to make sense of any of this? You know, and if, if everything were uh, right. were pens and ink, like, yeah, like there still wouldn't be enough time. Right. Right. You know, there's just there's so much to try and unpack. Yeah. And I I appreciate these two men um, mm-hmm. wrestling with the complexity of just being a single person <laughs> totally. in this like the sea of madness. Yes. Yes. Again, especially within tradition where giving easy answers or giving right. uh non-dualistic you right. know giving these like this is how it is and this should be your lesson um is kind of the the directive or the desire right. for a lot of this your 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 spiritual artistic output should be pointing to a specific message rather than being like I, even if everything in the world was able to try to convey that message, it still wouldn't be even like uh, possible. Um, yeah. feels like a very refreshing way to talk about that. Um, we should also say uh, Jeremy Enoch showing up here on those background vocals uh, for the first time on this record in this song. Um, man, okay, we're two songs in. <laughs> <laughs> this 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 tracks. Yep, yep. Um, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> Wolf am I? Parentheses. And shadow. Oh shit.
this is my uh, number one. It's my number two, but oh, it was God. solidly in my number one slot for a while until I thought about There's, it a little more. But strong you know, contender is, for number one. This is a song that I feel like was very clearly going to be in my top three somewhere. Yes. Um, I love the song so much. It goes so hard from second one. Yep. The <laughs> that opening riff and like mm-hmm. the sliding guitars and then mm-hmm. this driving drums, like the snare and everything. Yeah. And then the bass, <laughs> the bass line during yep. the verses, just like so playful and like mm-hmm. up there. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Everything, everything about it rules that, uh, that ding, 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 is very uh, yes. <laughs> paranoid android by radiohead Ooh, sure. uh, it's very much the like ambition makes you look pretty ugly which makes sense because that song is very like there are a bunch of different movements within it. it feels very like a suite of songs in a way that i think you know would make sense for them they would love that right. um but i agree i just i mean i love the energy i love how hard it goes i love that ascending melody of the chorus where it's like while Aaron is like lilting and going up and down, like where he does the sort of like, well, the whoa, whoa, gang vocals underneath are just, you know, the icing on top. But when he's like, suspicion that confirmed, but it's never denied, he's kind of like going up and down like that. That's my favorite. That's my favorite chorus. We haven't even gotten so good. I know, I know. I mean, shadow am I like a suspicion that's never. <laughs> so I, good you know i i was thinking about that particular portion it's like i don't know it's like i have not seen them in concert enough to mm-hmm. know like if that was a just a particular take that they decided to keep mm. or if, he, if that's something he intentionally I, sings it that way yeah um, i will say i uh, wait finish your thought and then i'll say what i was gonna say no but i I sometimes I wonder when there are takes on records that are like some people might be like, oh, let's take that again. Yeah. And if they, they like just leave it in, I, I think of, you know, the Weezer uh, Blue album where there are parts where Rivers voice is like wavering and, you know, off key. And I'm yeah. just like, yeah, they could have like that, that. That just wouldn't happen now. Right. Like, right. It's just they right. want things to sound perfect and everything yeah. to sound amazing and but yeah i just i just love i love that just like reaching the sort of like the very top of his of, of his voice that that he can't go much higher than that it's never just like... denied <laughs> yeah i will say that we compared set lists after we saw them last year and uh i got the song in my set list and you did not no i was upset about it which is a tragedy because this is, you know, one of my favorite songs of theirs and I was very glad to hear it. And yes. I will say I was waiting for that vocal delivery to be yeah. the same as the record and it was not. He did it yeah. differently. So I have a feeling that a lot of this is just kind of, you know, he's he's flying by the seat of his pants, <laughs> whether in the studio or live and just going with it. But it's great. I love that. Um, the, I want to talk about the I want to talk about the second verse. Yes. Um, uh you know, there, oh, I, there go, I go showing again, off showing again. off again, self-impressed by how well I put myself down. And there I go again to the next further removed level of that exact same, of that same exact feigned humility. This 
for me goes on and on to the point of nausea. I love it. I love it. Yeah, the, this is this is that thing that we talked about yep. on previous um yep. episode where he's has this like way of penning these beautiful this beautiful poetry and then he'll mm-hmm. throw in a line and this <laughs> right. for me goes on goes and on, on to the uh, point of nausea. Right. Like he's it just like, sort of like <laughs> you're like, oh yeah. Just like, like I, I'm aware of my insufferable tendencies. <laughs> We're just like, God, I can't let this thing go. I get it. I know. Yeah. I love that. He's, it feels like he's talking it out in real time in the song. He's <laughs> like, wolf am I? No shadow. I think is better as I'm not so much something more like the absence of something. So shadow am I like just kind of like trying to figure out what's going on, which is what makes it feel great. Like, I love that. He's just kind of like, he's talking about this struggle to live authentic faith um, and and fixating on how you're always falling short, but how that fixation can itself be its own kind of idol or self-focus. Like you talked about last week where it's like that he's identifying like, Oh, this, this feigned humility that I have um, self-impressed by how well I can put myself down. Like, I love the idea that he's like, he has kind of identified like, you know, for me, the sort of denial of self or denial of materialism is kind of where I'm trying to root my faith, but then also acknowledging, but by doing that, I'm also kind of like talk about that to the point of nausea, like making yeah. you sick and making myself sick with how much I talk about myself in that way. So it's like, again, yeah. that's kind of like an Ouroboros of its own. Like, yeah, I don't want to talk about myself being the focus. And so by talking about myself, not wanting to do that, <laughs> I become the focus. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know. I love I love that delivery and, and that articulation for the same reasons you're calling out. Yeah. And I think there's apart from that, there's the you know, there's the whole wolf and shadow and the mm-hmm. sheep stuff. Like yeah. Talking essentially wolf in sheep's clothing, sheep's clothing. Yeah. could be talking about kind of a um, uh, hypocrisy in right. in Christianity it could be talking like sort of like a like a Pharisee situation, the sort of mm-hmm. like, like, Oh, look at me, how I'm this esteemed, you know, right. religious leader. And I'm so, you know, above all of this. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so there's, there's kind of, I think there's multiple things. I think he's, he's doing that thing that we love where he's, yeah. uh, pointing the finger at things, but he's also pointing back at himself. Yep. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, but I I want I just again want to talk about the uh the opening lines uh-huh. uh because it's outstanding uh smell <laughs> it's the smell of hot summertime trash it's the city noise of a busy street it's a train derailed and a two car head on freeway crash each time we meet <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah I I don't know um who this who is referencing is. I don't yeah. know who the U is um but. <laughs> A a derailed train and a two car head on freeway freeway uh-huh. crash and and hot smelly city garbage. <laughs> yeah, I don't know because there's there are references throughout this album to a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this is his uh previous a previous right. person or if it's that he's talked about on other albums or uh, somebody completely unrelated, but. But I don't know if that's what this is referencing. Yeah. Um, because if uh, there's, I mean, there's a she, so I don't know if if right. that's 
because there's just so much going on in the song you know right we keep talking about like oh we've only gone through two songs <laughs> but there's so much that we could unpack there really in every is. single song i know i'm like limiting myself by <laughs> deleting notes as i'm going um but yeah i mean Dude, it, this is it, our this is our our, our season finale yeah let's okay just, let's just buckle in go for it buckle, buckle in let's go um for it. yeah i uh i mean we talked about the girl or God idea a lot with yes. the like skate punk season and kind yes. of f- finding that to be uh, not great artistically. <laughs> right, right. And here the girl or God idea is always fascinating for me. Like I, I like for me without you that the ongoing question of, of the relationship, is it a romantic one? Is it an impersonal one? Is it one to God? And the intentional sort of mixing of that together to be like uh, a satisfying metaphor um, but yeah, I mean, he talks about him being born as a terrible crash last record and this record, right. it's like, anytime we meet, it's like a fucking crash. <laughs> like <laughs> I love the, the, the drama of it. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, is it's he a, usually is like, he a four. He's gotta be a four, he's right? Gotta be right. <laughs> I would have to assume. Um, but yeah, the, the, the ups and downs, like we've said a bunch of the, these big elaborate emo, expressions right. and then like undercutting with these very personal pieces too um but the uh, yeah i want to talk about the ending too the one day the water's gonna wash it away um that refrain and then this like guitar delay comes in on top of that um that i don't know it's i, I don't know if that's good or bad you know what i mean like there's a there's a certain strain of like uh goddle wash all this away eventually or like you know that there's that tool song <laughs> where he basically talks about like la dropping into the ocean and he's like good riddance kind of the same sentiment there um and i don't know i that's an uncomfortable idea in some ways uh for me to <laughs> just be like it's all gonna get washed away but i i feel like in this sense he's not saying it that way um because i don't know to, it, the fact that all the like build up to that before that is what you're talking about, about kind of like holding up um, this idea of like false prophets, but to not point outward to be like, I myself am a false prophet by like putting up this facade of holiness, but inwardly giving into these pressures and then leading up to like, it's all going to get washed away anyway, to me feels more like, again, a continuation of that, like, but I do not exist. Is any of this even real kind of thing? Um, I don't know. What do you think about that sort of being like the the climax of it? I mean, he's he tries to do things non dualistically, but there's right. So I don't know if this is him saying, like you're saying, like the you know God's gonna take care of it. Like I don't know if this is a a flood situation or is right. it or is it climate change? You know, yeah. you know, one day water's gonna you know just cover everything, and maybe this is not as apocalyptic of a line as we're interpreting sure. it, it could yeah. be something something completely yeah. different you know there's I lots of it, water on this record yeah. too that's true i guess it strikes me that way initially because it is a sort of it feels like a kind of like christian punk rocker thing a little bit to be like all oh, this materialism and bullshit like one day it's all gonna go away anyway but right. i don't think he's like I don't, uh, I don't know if he's that cynical. Though. No, he's not. He's too thoughtful to, to, especially for, again, somebody who, as we talked about, who identifies, you know, the sort of 
mission of living in this world uh, as being like right. the heaven is here on earth. It's taking care of each other. But I don't know. It it both. I'm only mentioning it and calling it out because I sort of like kind of like, uh, you know, what I was saying earlier about like, do we bump on at all the idea of like, uh, I don't exist. Like I'm like screaming along with like one day, you know, like going to wash it away. Like, but I'm like, Oh, do I, do I want that? Is it a good or bad thing? It might be a bad thing. And he's acknowledging that. I don't know. Anyway, it's an interesting way to conclude. The song is two and a half minutes and we've talked about it for 20 and a half minutes. Um, <laughs> so maybe it's time to move on, but I love the song very dearly. Yes. Um, to the first of the spider trilogy, yellow spider. Little squeeze box action. Little squeeze box. Little Kermy showing up in the studio. <laughs> I can only think about Kermit on these songs now. Twisted twigs and crooked cross. A necklace for the deeply lost. her with the broken brick. Mother to the baby chick. Made this world look all right <laughs> that's like half the song um why are there so <laughs> many songs about spiders <laughs> all three are on this album is that good <laughs> it's great Thanks. um builder with the broken bricks mother to the baby chicks you made this world to look so nice i wonder what the next one's like hmm. yellow spider yellow leaf confirms my deepest hell belief yeah, I uh, I like where this trilogy of different colored spiders ends up uh, by the time we get to the ending of Brownish Spider. Um, but I will admit that, like, initially, I'm kind of like, what are these here for? Um, like, it is kind of a nice, you know, th- they're these shorts. They show up on the album in a way that sort of allows for changes of pace. Like they sort of introduce different sections. Um, but as you were saying, the originally, originally one song broken into three different pieces, each have a similar structure and melody, but use different instrumentation and presentation. And yep. um, Aaron has talked about how the, these songs are another way to sort of explore our connectivity to God and others and the cycle of the world by observing how spiders match leaves and then, those leaves fall off and then they come again the next year. Um, so I don't know. I Once I sort of allowed myself to think a little more deeply about what he's saying in these songs, I came to appreciate them more, but you know, originally I was kind of like, these are kind of like the sillier ones. And maybe I was like, those are kind of maybe the, the weaker spots, but even doing this analysis, I'm like, I even love the spider trilogy. So I don't know. I was th- thinking about like different songs that we've discussed over the course of the podcast and makes me mm-hmm. think of um, the MXPX song creation. Uh-huh. Proof not for me. <laughs> yep. Very similar vibe. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if, you know, he says confirms my deepest hell belief. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe that is that we don't exist and everything dies. I don't know. Your hasty generalization is there for everyone to see, isn't it? <laughs> I believe that's in creation. Um, <laughs> it's been a while since we've uh, covered that one. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's probably right. We'll we'll get into more as we go through these different colored spiders. A glass can only spill what it contains. Mm. 
so hard to cut these songs off well yes yes it is um i have this currently as my number two <laughs> okay okay um the song goes so hard the bass is completely mm. undeniable indeed um oh god i i, I question everything about my list right now but <laughs> <laughs> your list does not exist um yes yeah it, a list like... a list can only uh, spill what it contains. I don't <laughs> That's know. right. Uh, yeah, it, being rooted in that groovy baseline again, I just I love that so much. But yeah. then, real satisfying musical change when that chorus comes in. You know, we talked a lot about dynamics uh, with uh, Catch Rest the Foxes. Yes, and this one and and that dynamic change being satisfying. This one, this record satisfaction maybe comes more from like changes in style rather than like. Uh, necessarily the dynamic change with some exceptions but i think that's what i'm more struck by here is the like you know and then the like groovy bass line and to all of a sudden like it takes a real turn with the chorus and then it takes another turn even after that pre-chorus and it's just like i love each sort of new section that they move into each one is so cool the singing into shouting and then like the section of distorted shouted vocals um it's so cool musically. It's so cool thematically. I'm interested to hear more about what you think of the idea of the title and, and its meaning, but it comes from this Arabic proverb, every vessel drips that which it contains, which I guess I take to sort of mean, you know, if you contain the characteristics of God internally, then that will be what you express outwardly. He then moves into this repeated refrain of what new mystery is this? Um, and again, the idea of sort of centering mystery is such a cool idea for a band, obviously one that wears its sort of mysticism influences on its sleeve. We were talking about St. Francis and you were talking (laughs) about Richard Rohr, a famous Franciscan. I know Rohr talks about, you know, the idea of like mystery not being something understandable, but something like we, we try to like, we're so fixated on like closure and resolution and again dualistic thinking right that like we we think of mystery as like something that needs to be solved rather than like taking comfort in the idea of like centering the mystery and i love that it's kind of like centered in this uh idea here of uh you know he says what new mystery is this what blessed backwardness the immeasurable one is held and does not resist 
which is apparently a quote from Melito of Sardis, who was a bishop of the early church, but sort of marveling at like the subversive nature of Jesus and the gospels, yeah. like servant leadership. I don't know. It's a cool description. Uh, what blessed backwardness. I don't know. Yeah. I really, I love all that stuff. It's a great so line. Cool. Yeah. And kind of, kind of what I was saying too, about the previous going from the previous song. Um, he opens this song by talking about a cat um, drinking milk from a bowl, thinking like, Oh man, I'm so stealthy. No one saw me. Right. But the character, the person, the character in this song is like, I'm six feet away. Like I can, I see the cat. I I right, see right. this cat right there. Yeah. And then there's like the peacock who is like walking around the zoo thinking like, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm so free, but it's mm-hmm. like still in contained in a zoo. It's like, right, it's, right. it's, it's, you know, twice the autonomy of giraffes and tigers but it's still Mm -hmm. like so these these characters think like their perspective is Mm. uh is so hyper focused to themselves and like Mm -hmm. that it it, they get caught inside their own their own delusion their own bubble and and i i I think they're caught they're caught up in their own bullshit and i think that's kind of what the previous song was it's like you Mm -hmm. know wolf and shadow and i'm you know i'm so impressed with like how you know i can talk shit about myself and this is and i don't know i I feel like there these songs kind of share some uh share some of those common yeah threads yeah for sure and that makes sense within the context of like you know being contained like a zoo, you know, you're, it could only spill what it contains when you're in, when you're containing yourself into these boxes that you're not even aware that you're in sort of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Lots to, lots to chew on here. Great one. Uh, yes. I could see why it's high up in your list. Yeah. Um, I also like, um, I'm halfway listening to what she thinks she knows. We're mm-hmm. like children dressing in our parents' clothes. Mm-hmm. Good line. Great line. Uh, nobody, nobody knows anything. Nope. Nice and blue, part two.
That's so cool. This on any other day could be in my top three. Yeah. Uh, this song goes so hard. The drums yeah. are incredible. Yeah. The riffs. Yep. Yep. Ugh. Yep. I have the same said immediate great energy from the drums and that driving riff. Uh, but then that those mysterious like oh, oh. vocals coming in like so cool. There's Almost this... like chant like monk like mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, totally. Um, but then the chorus moves into this like soaring melody and guitar line. All these multiple elements happening at once. I love it. Um, this is another part two of an A to B life song uh, as yes. we got on catch. Um, and the riff here is similar to the riff on Nice and Blue part one. Um, and the beginnings of each stanza of the song are the same as the lyrics in part one, but then sort of goes in a new direction. Um, I don't know. I, I, this one rules. I agree. I, this, I considered it as part of top three, but I guess, like you said, I could say that for pretty much every song. Um, <laughs> there's then like this cool bridge that's like centered in the syncopated baseline. Um, I don't know. I love every, again, every new turn the song takes the like path that it goes down. I'm like, Ooh, that's where we're going. Okay, cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, thematically here, I guess kind of trying to find meaning or pleasure in, in what he sort of deems to be worldly things and becoming further away from God in that process. Um, you know, he talked about practicing celibacy at this time in his life, um, which is referenced specifically uh, later in the record. Um, but it seems like this might be sort of the perspective of someone who's been in relationships and now has decided to abstain i don't know um that's a little bit of the sense i get with him here um yeah what do you think about thematically i mean they're the carried over lyrics of you know i was once alive um Mm -hmm. when you held me and then i was once the wine Mm -hmm. uh you were the wine glass which might itself be a callback to a glass only spilling what contains, I don't know. Maybe. But God became the glass, and all things left are emptiness. Oh, little girl, you're just a little girl. If you look out and see a trace of a dark bed once was my face, and the clarity of such grace, forget all about me. Which is especially interesting because in the original song, it ends with, in the clarity yes. of his grace, remember me. And here yes. he says, in the clarity of such grace, forget all about me, which yes. is in keeping with the theme of this record of like... <laughs> yes. So the first record, it's a breakup album. He's he's sort of in the world more. He's like, remember me. And here he's just like, just forget all about me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I like that sort of thematic change here. Yeah. I mean, and I do like the idea of what you're saying about a glass can only spill what it contains. Mm-hmm. And this, this song, he's talking about he was the wine and presumably god is the wine glass so mm-hmm. he is contained within god right like god right. is holding him so this is like the the fish in the water has the water thing <laughs> yes. too yeah. yeah love all this shit man <laughs> yeah this is again like the line between like sitting in a dorm room high and being like but if the fish has water in it but you're in the water like <laughs> and like profound. Oh, this is a bishop yeah. that lived in the early church that this came from. You know what I mean? Like, I love the sort of line between those. And again, that like juxtaposition of, of poetry and almost embarrassing directness where he's like, 
I saw a forest grow in the city and a driftwood wall of birdhouse gourds. And I'm still waiting to meet a girl like mom who's closer to my age. It's like, okay, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing to say. Uh, I don't know. This, yeah. this song is so cool though. Um, and this one has a music video as Mason alluded to, which is like them training for synchronized swimming. And it's like <laughs> such a like, it's like sweeping song wrestling with these profound things. And I love that the video is really fun and silly. It's like, they're outside training and then they're like in a locker room and then they're playing their instruments in the shower and like shaving their bodies. And then they all get on speedos and goggles and do a synchronized swimming routine together. Like, I love that they decided to don't take themselves too seriously with this right. like serious song. Uh, the video rules. If anybody hasn't seen it, you should look it up. I was just thinking about how, you know, you're saying the line between being high in a dorm room and be like, no, but like I'm the fish. <laughs> right. But like, um, and I, cause I don't think, I don't think these songs are needlessly mm -mm. like convoluted or, yeah. um, I don't think he's trying to be, cause like you were just saying, sometimes he's like so direct and to the point. Yeah. And I, you know, this isn't like, he's not like, He's not like Christopher Nolan, like making things <laughs> like it's like it's it's good because no one understands it. That that's what makes a good song. Uh -huh. Yeah, and in fact, like when people have asked him about song meetings, he he does this thing which is you know very in keeping with his whole ethos of kind of saying like ah, what I say like doesn't really matter. Like you're trying to dissect this stuff, and I just came up with it in the moment, and like don't right. pour over it too much, which like. Yeah, which makes sense for him. I don't think he's being like falsely humble about that. But it is like, but dude, you're like you pack so much in. How can we not try right. and uh un un unpack some of this? But I think he's just he's like that that's smart <laughs> that like he has all these illusions maybe more at the ready than most of us do, but he's like, I ah, don't worry about that too much. Like don't think about it too much. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. Yep. Uh, the sun and the moon. Sun and the moon, my dude.
give me that bass, baby. Um, this one really, rules. yeah, it, it really takes off for me with that chorus when like those drum yes. fills come in and there's that driving bass line, these group vocals. Like the song could easily be turned into a ska song if they just like <laughs> turn those ding, in, ding, if, ding, if ding. Those just yeah. turn those into upstrokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. That's really funny. Uh, someone please do that. Uh, Bobby That's G true. sounds like a challenge. Yeah, um, please turn Sun in the Moon into a. Uh, I mean, yeah, they get, get, huh, some, get huh. some. I want to yeah. see both worlds as one. Pick it, pick it up, up, pick it up, pick it up. Up, um, up, up. up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this feels like a good sort of halfway point in the album because uh, it's a song that sort of has a lot of space in it. It allows you to, yes. to chill a bit with it. Um, but again, like, you know, lots, lots to wrestle with. Uh, tying into the theme, obviously, of the sun and the moon. I want to see both worlds as one this kind of like taking these dualities, but trying to bring them together and into an, into an interconnectedness, uh, which again, that, that imagery is from the only breath poem by Rumi. And it opens with these like different stories of biblical figures finding hope after difficult moments. Um, and I like that. It's like, you know, this idea of, I used to wonder where you are these days. I can't find where you're not. It's interesting after, these multiple references we've had in other songs of theirs to searching for God and then like finding God in unsuspecting places. Um, so the idea that like now I, you know, now you're kind of everywhere for me because I've landed on this idea of like, we're all, we're all God. We're all connected. Um, I don't know. I, there's a lot, man. There's a lot to think over on this one. Yeah. And in the, the verse, the preference of the sun was to the south side of the farm. I planted to the north in a terracotta pot. And yeah, he knew where the sun was and he's, and he planted in the place where mm-hmm. the sun is not going to grow mm-hmm. his plants the best. And mm-hmm. then he, he says, my garden, my gardening so well self-recommended. What mm-hmm. could I have done, but let you down. So yeah. he's, it's almost like a like you know i i did things my way and um you know and what what and these are the outcomes and mm-hmm. what a surprise right um, right yeah <clears throat> kind of like yeah so well self self recommended again sort of like talking a big game about how great you are but right <laughs> being a disappointment um yeah and i like the idea too that you know he says mine's been a yard carefully surface level tended foxes burrowed underground which you know we're getting another reference to right yes those foxes uh uh hindering the vineyard of expressing god's love yes. um yeah fascinating yeah. one a carefully surface level tended right right uh, it's these and and self well self recommended these are all such great yeah great lines to be like everything looks great up here and mm-hmm, everything mm-hmm. under uh when you look a little closer it's uh looks like shit right orange spider the second in the trilogy a note we wrote the other day to any mice who passed this way on crumbed and sugared countertops we must insist your traffic stop air defense they don't refuse Nonetheless, we've come to you, snapping traps and poison beams. Far left, if 
automatic mean orange spider. He's just openly laughing at himself. <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, it's these songs are silly, but they're still the da 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 da. So all and th- that's sort of like slowly coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, a silly some... song, basically writing a note to the mice <laughs> in their in their house, being like, um, "Please, please leave." Yeah, <laughs> it's it's an absurd. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we yeah. throughout these animals uh being used as a way of sort of communicating connectivity and and our spiritual expression and all that. Um but we we do get some nice warm anathalo brass in there eventually. Yes. Uh, on this on the song, so that's nice. Yes. Oh yeah. I mean it's pretty great. It feels like Anathalo. It does. Great melody, great, great horn lines. It's nice. Um, this song also. C minor. Mm-hmm. This could be an Anathalo yes. song. It's the start of the song. And then Shakers. The Shaker. Look that brass. Mouth, yeah. Even though the song is so explicitly Christian and overt in being like, expand my capacity mm-hmm. to just like open, like opening things so wide that it just pushes out. Yep. Yep. Everything else, because while some people might think that like these verses, the verses in the chorus are incongruous, like they don't like what's the connection. Mm hmm. Like he's so, it, it to me it reads like he's so, uh, overwhelmed and preoccupied mm-hmm. with this girl who's you know scurried around his mind ever since every day, and then like the end of the song where it talks about it never ends, it never ends. It almost feels like this is his desperate way of being like whatever you can do mm-hmm. to make me love you or run towards to i don't know if it's necessarily an escapism thing but it hits me in a different way than than i think one might assume just based on the yeah the chorus being so like clearly like about about god yeah no i i that's good insight i agree with all that i I think i take it to mean like wrestling with these different things but but returning to this 
idea at the center of like open wide my door, my Lord to whatever makes me love you more. Like that's what I return to regardless of all these other things. Um, and I really like that idea of that being his like repeated plea um, and, and like takeaway is like, whatever makes me love more. Like that's what I want to try and stay centered in. Um, the, uh, those Anathala horns really yeah. cool here as well. It gives it a, a different flavor, uh, for me without you, like to have it yeah. suddenly have a dun, 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 like yep. really cool. Plus that rolling bass line and doom, 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 drums that come in with the chorus. Um, Really cool one. Uh, this is uh, this is another one that has some of those uh, directness verses that we yes. talked about. Uh, you know, he says, still technically a virgin after 27 years, um, which for someone who is sort of in this moment of trying to live into celibacy, as I understand it, makes sense to kind of like own that and and articulate that um but again it's not something that most <laughs> that most people would do and you have to yeah. give him you know give him props for not shying away from mentioning <laughs> stuff like that uh in his lyrics so yeah really interesting one yeah um i also i want to get to the end a little bit because i love the mm -hmm. love how this goes out I'd rather I'd rather never talk again than to continue to pretend that this never ends. We talked a lot about uh, his discussions of depression and suicide on the previous record. Mm -hmm. I don't know because in the previous one of the previous verses, he talks about the voice of loneliness and fear. And I say devil disappear. So I don't know if this could be a song about loneliness. It could be about wanting to be with somebody or and or depression just being like a thing that just never ends i don't know yeah. there, there are any any number of things that this could be but it 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 hits for me yeah no i i agree the the repeated refrain at the ending of it never ends like feels very <laughs> very Aaron and very me without you to kind of just be like look this sort of like this wrestling it's not ever gonna it's no. not ever going to end. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yep. In a market dimly lit. Oof.
fuck the alley Circling like a record round the spindle of my mind Where the needles warm the grooves too deep And scratch the wax that's blistered from the heat beside From any movement in the room As my cat walked by the arm skipping to my surprise My interrupting cat crew Sound already so severely compromised Needles worn the grooves too deep. The needles worn the grooves too deep. The needles worn the grooves too deep. The needles worn the grooves too deep. I was so cool <laughs> oh uh, man it goes so hard at the chorus the like that slow build yes that accordion and then just with the downbeat of the chorus like going, <laughs> super hard crashing cymbals huge guitar riff just shouting those vocals yeah i don't know i love that that change um and then there's like this cacophonous discordant breakdown section yep. toward the end of the song too um yeah this one is really interesting um there's a lot sort of thematically to kind of match that idea of like starting out slowly and then just like moving into this like huge sound uh all together uh you know he says what good's a single wind chime hanging quiet all alone the music our collisions make is a sound that turns the road that leads us back to home into home, uh, which is both like calling back to torches together yep. a little bit in terms of like the ideas in community. Uh, we can realize that heaven is actually the path that we're on together. Like that home that we may be seeking elsewhere is actually the home itself is here. Um, and that like, it leads into this repeated refrain of the music our collisions make. That's such a cool yeah. description like torches where it's like the music. He talks a lot about like when he was born it crashed as a terrible accident, right? Like yeah. in uh, whatever song we were talking about where it's like, is that Wolf of I where it's like crashing together. Right. Like the two cars, like, there's a tendency to think of that crash as like negative, but here he's saying like these collisions we make together is actually like this beautiful music that we make together and living in community and trying to do things together is messy, but it's worth it. And there's a beauty in like our collective efforts. Um, you know, he's talked, Aaron has talked about living community as, um, being bringing heaven to earth and living on earth as a kind of heaven. And I feel like that's reflected in uh, that articulation here thematically, but also like musically to match that together of like that cacophony of, of the music as a collision. I think it's just, I don't know. It's such a cool idea. I really am into that. The line, the needles worn the grooves too deep. Mm -hmm. It 
he's talked about things just spinning around in his mind, right. going around and around in his mind a number of times. To me, it indicates the record has become useless. This has become right. a unplayable uh, item. And that he sort of like talks about these things like in the, the other verses about other things that are not useful, but right. God, like you know, counterfeit you, you coins. See, you see yeah. my coins are counterfeit, but yeah. you you accept them anyway. We pray mm-hmm. with fingers crossed, but you listen patiently anyway. Right. Um, it's like even though I have like ground this vinyl into <laughs> a, a wax disc that no longer plays anything, mm-hmm. uh, something that'll keep spinning around but produces no music. Right. Right. Um, you know, there's you still see for some reason you see see value in it. Yeah. Um, because it even says in the beginning. If my cat walked by, the arm skipped. But to my surprise, my interrupting cat improved a sound already so severely compromised. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's like a a brokenness that yeah. is still there's still value there. Yeah, yeah. Returning to the idea of grace in the face of that. Yeah, um, yeah I love that. There's so many good turns of phrase here. <laughs> yep. So good. So good. You know what else is so good? Oh, porcupine. <laughs> We're not going to take it. Sorry, I can't help myself. <laughs> Hell yeah. riffs galore in this song uh it's this is one that would be in my top five uh but meg's number one my sad little world uh a speckled bird herself (laughs) meg uh her number one um yeah i oh man there's so much here the those many different sections the shifts throughout those yeah u2 guitars on the verses uh Base groove. They got, they got the edge for this, right? Uh, I think so. Uh, yeah, they got, they, they got the big three: Jeremy, Nick, uh, <laughs> Anathalo, and Kermit. Don't forget Kermit, Kermit and you two, <laughs> and the edge. Um, yeah, but the way it sort of shifts with the chorus to like <clears throat> everything except uh, the drums dropping out and the melody taking on this punkier minor chord energy. Um, again, that's like a, a satisfying and, and somewhat surprising shift uh i don't think we got to this part yet right but it's like where everything drops out for a couple seconds and it's like listen to it it. yeah all creation groans and then everything drops listen to it love that um but it's like the turns that it takes even later that i think put this in my top five which is like 
we get the section of well first he's like you can't yet appreciate harmony and then right after that comes in this like totally discordant section um <laughs> which is cool but then after that we get some djembes coming in for a bridge and then some harmonized group vocals with jeremy Enoch coming in on those background vocals and that that is the part i would like to hear uh the in darkness your light shines on me maybe around 335 we get that explosive ending starting it's so cool man (laughs) the way that like yeah he has this you know um like beautiful sounding in darkness the light shines on me in darkness light shines on you um but then this just like explosion after that where like oh this is why you get jeremy adig to like yeah sing in this way that like is so different from aaron but then aaron doing the spoken word stuff underneath these yeah. like screamed beautiful vocals. Like it's just so cool. It's so satisfying the way they come together there at yeah. the end. Um, I love it so much. Uh, so many, so many animals showing up here. We got, we got, <laughs> we got the shadowy tower on the fish's back, the titular some, fish tower. Got some locusts, uh, got some locusts, snakes. snakes. We got Lizards. God is a mother hen, speckled bird, of course, and porcupine, moth. of course. Uh, it's also good, man. I, again, sort of like a speckled bird humbly inspired, ran across the road when it could have flown. I understand now Meg's uh, identification with that phrase because it's like, I don't know, I guess the way I'm reading is another sort of way of describing like the subversive way Jesus engaged the world. like mm-hmm. ran across the road when it could have flown. Um, yep. And then the idea that like the conclusion is in our darkness, a light shines um you know he says though i've been mistaken on this or that point that light is god like he is wrestling with a lot but he feels assured about like the light being the thing that we can sort of point to as again you know he's opening wide that door to 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 show that light that he finds in god and in each other an outward expression of that light being like that light that's that's god that's what we're trying to talk about here i don't know i really i find it very moving it's a really a really cool song and a cool culminating moment. And I get why a couple of people, including Meg have said like, this is kind of their favorite all time me without you song. Um, lots to love here. Absolutely. Um, every song, uh, 10 out of 10. love like, this. Is it my number one or is it not in my top three at all? Hard to say. <laughs> That's, that is my approach to yep. this record. So yep. do you, what do you have uh, so far? I've given my, my one my one and two i have given my two and three okay well then i think we have some sense of what our one brownish spiders your number one (laughs) that's right (laughs) 
cool. I love it. What follows amp feedback better than beautiful harp? <laughs> say brownish spider more like green frog am i right <laughs> nailed it yeah thank you um so yeah this i we need to read the we, we don't hear the end of, of these because right um it's pretty it's much half the song. song yeah um <clears throat> so all the other songs it's you know uh yellow spider uh yellow leaf reddish spider you know it's but this one it, it goes you know it says brownish spider, brownish spider, brownish leaf, but then it ends with no more spider, no more leaf, no more me, no more belief. Mm-hmm. Um, another another version of I do not exist, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. I um, yeah. 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 Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say this is when he when he gets to this point in the spider trilogy is when I'm like, oh, I get it now. I get why these spiders keep showing up throughout the record. Um, again, this sort of death of self dying of self to serve the collective right cycle of there's no more me because we're all just part of this cycle um and by that point i'm like oh i i am moved by these spiders and i didn't know why exactly i was following them along um yeah yeah and the you know the the ending of no more me, no more belief. Mm-hmm. I think could be misinterpreted as like, you know, I've lost my faith. I no, none of this matters, or whatever. But right, I think that's obviously not what he's trying to convey. And I, right. I, I think we were talking. One of the things I think I brought up the last episode was the emphasis on on the right belief and right. you know having like it's it's so important in evangelicalism it's all about mm-hmm. the personal relationship about your own personal experience everything's about me everything's about what i believe you need to say these right things mm-hmm. and this is pretty much the antithesis of that yeah yeah it's in keeping with what we said about <clears throat> forward forward letter right where he's it ends with uh you know we don't want our beliefs god of peace we want you like right we have all our beliefs but like the beliefs is not the thing that we should be so concerned about um right which feels in keeping with that yeah um even in this tiny little song that's you know a minute and a half or whatever (laughs) we have references to acts we have William Blake's Gnostic gospel, uh, Gnostic verses. There's just like a lot, a lot going on here. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think some bomb ass harp playing. That harp rules. This is a timber, the harpist here, and uh, you know it's pretty. Got, got a little bit more of that timber coming. We sure do. Let's let's hear it. All right, the closing track, mm. uh, and the last song that we will be discussing. Sad for season four. In a sweater poorly knit. 
I think I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Yeah. Good even call. though I do love this. It's great. It's all great. Yeah, it's all great. In a sweater poorly knit and an unsuspecting smile, little Moses drifts downstream in the Nile. A fumbling reply, an awkward, rigid laugh, and I'm carried helpless by my floating basket raft. Your flavor in my mind is back and forth between sweeter than any wine as bitter as mustard greens and it's light and dark as honeydew and pumpernickel bread the trap i set for you seems to have caught my leg instead Transition from the harp into the squeeze box there. Ugh, this is my just, number three. It's your number three. It's my number one. Yeah. Uh, it has to be. It's This is one that I didn't waver on. And as much as I hear you on the difficult choice, I'm like, this is yeah. probably my favorite Me Without You song. It's probably a basic answer. It's probably <laughs> their most well-known song. Um, but I don't know. I... I also have it strongly wrapped up in the it being the final song that they played at their farewell show. Um, I assume it's the final one that they play at most of them, but at least when I saw them and it was such a powerful ending moment, everyone's singing along, you know, it, it moves into the section of like this beautiful melody of a group vocal part with the harp. And then you got, yeah, squeeze box. We got the brass the repeated I do not exist that everyone's chanting together. Like, this is what I think of when I think of me without you. Um, and then all those elements just continue stripping out after they've been laid on top of each other until the ending is just the heart part. It just gives me chills in the ending. It's so beautiful. Um, I just think this is such a powerful closing statement uh, on the record in a lot of different ways. Um, that's sort of the journey of like, opening scattered electric guitar notes and cymbals that we heard a little bit of until yeah. just like this simple catchy melody of just acoustic guitar and vocals that alone is really memorable yeah. just that part but the moment we get that groovy bass line and the like it's just like syncopated guitar line comes in with the harp over it like it all just yeah. ugh. i once we make that turn it's just like where this whole thing falls into place for me um and then the you know I, I love the little turn it takes back into the verse with that sort of up and down stroke tremolo guitar yeah. drum fills over it like man I love the song so much and yeah. I don't know there's I mean we'll get into the like thematics of it too but it's interesting too that it's like in a sweater poorly knit in a market dimly lit I think those right. things are connected to each other and 
they're all such cool turns of phrase and I'm, I'm sure there's plenty to unpack with what the sort of sweater the sweater itself is and, and why it's poorly did i think it's similar to sort of the, the glass and what it contains and i don't know this this idea of like we are within this sort of confine that's not perfect but we're trying even within that context to to sort of do our best to be connected to each other and express ourselves that's at least what i take from it a little i don't know but what do you think about this song i i relate to the song in a lot of ways uh specifically trying to do doing one thing thinking you're going to have a specific outcome and then it's just mm-hmm. like you're like oh well fuck me i <laughs> you know i i blew it or right what i want to happen in my life or what i expect my life to be or where i expected a certain thing to go mm-hmm. uh ended up coming back and you know you know punching me right in the dick you know right. he's like yeah. the whole the refrain the trap i set for you seems to have right. caught my leg instead mm-hmm. um and he says go plow some other field and try and forget my name we'll see what the what the harvest yields and supposing i do the same so i don't know he it seems like he's like i he ended something and he thought like yeah oh i'm gonna go you know do my own thing it's gonna be great and and then by the end of it he's like books are overdue and the goats are underfed it's like well you know his his peas aren't even up to his ankles they're supposed to be his knees he's like thinking he's gonna be this great lots of farming analogies on this this record sure um and it's like well shit (laughs) It's 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 kind of a it's kind of a downer song, but yeah, uh, still the refrain of ending with "I do not exist." Yeah, uh, kind of brings the, everything full circle. Yeah, let's let's hear a little bit of that. Uh, maybe yeah. about three twenty. Ending or starting a song with like cacophony mm-hmm. and ending the song with there's so many different things happening. There's yes, but they all <laughs> come together so perfectly. Yep, yep. It's the it's the music colliding, baby. It's, yeah, it's, it is. It's the beautiful music that uh, we make when we collide. Two and... two car head on freeway mm-hmm. crash. <laughs> exactly. Derailed train. Kind. Yes. <laughs> I love. I love every element we're hearing there. And I love that they're all stacked on top of each other in such a satisfying way. And I love the thematic, uh, you know, we're all singing together, but what we're singing is that I do not exist. And um, I don't know. I, I just, it, it, it moves me. It moves me. And the, like, then the removing of those elements kind of one by one too, as the song goes on. Um, Yeah. I think uh, I get, it it is a downer in its own way, but but the idea of returning to the kind of collective and realizing 
you know, what you're saying about like setting plans or, or trying to do things on your own and then realizing the ways that that can fall short, um, which is a another kind of central theme of theirs of maybe trying to do things on your own and realizing you need to be part of connection to others in order to feel grateful. And, you know, you, you made a holy fool of me and I've thanked you ever since, like realizing your, your path, uh, didn't work out, but the gratefulness uh, of that realization and retrospect and, and being on a path that, that is bringing you more connection and fulfillment. Um, I find very beautiful and I find it yeah. uh, to be a great conclusion to this record, to the mm-hmm. season. Yes. Uh, I don't know how long this episode has turned out to be, but I don't think it's a short one. No. Um, but uh, man, this, this is, this has been a great season. It sure has. Thanks for hanging with us through uh, some pauses here and there, and maybe some discussions of, of the kinds of, bands we haven't done at all so far on the pod and gave us a lot of uh opportunity to to talk endlessly about meaning and about our own selves and 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 wrestling with all this stuff in a way that like we haven't really the the music hasn't uh allowed for us in in previous seasons and it's meant a lot to me to go through um some of these artists who really wrestle with this stuff in a profound way oh. and talk about it with you and talk about yeah. our relationship to it. And of course, what I'm mainly talking about is Marilla's forest. I think that's kind of <laughs> what we can take away. Um, there's been a lot of ground that we've covered in this season, but I think when I think about it, I will mainly think about dissecting Bazan and culminating with me without you. Um, yeah. So I mean, thank you. Can't, we can't, we can't uh, downplay our Magnafrite pod. Of course not. Parts either. Those no. those are just some of my favorite parts of every season. And absolutely, my dude, I'm so excited for what we can come oh, up with. So pumped with, with Magnafrite pod. That's for right. This year in person, I don't know. I don't know what what shenanigans we'll be getting up to here in the Twin Cities. Uh, Sky's the limit, baby. <clears throat> keep your uh, keep your your visions for Magpod Nation moving forward, uh, coming to us. Uh, let us know what you want us to see and talk about and do together in the future. But yes, very excited about where we go from here. We've been doing this thing five years. Uh, we're about to move into a whole new uh, iteration of it as we're right back we're just in our started. That's right. You know, it's uh, the 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 heaven is the podcast that we make together right now. Exactly. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. I've yeah. Mm, brain's done. <laughs> a, pod, a pod can only spill what it contains. <laughs> exactly. Beautifully said. Um, well, thank you all. I just came up with that. You know, I, I, I just... <laughs> didn't get it from anywhere. Nope. Um, thank you all for listening to season, uh, for weighing in uh, with these couple episodes in particular. I think we got more engagement with these couple of episodes than we had for the bulk of the season. Uh, <laughs> we knew we would, but it was, yeah, it was yeah. great to end with these guys. So thank you everybody. You can continue to weigh in uh, over at magnified pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, follow and subscribe to the pod. If you haven't already and give us a rating or review, give us those five stars that helps us out. Uh, give us a review that, that helps people find us. We'll read it on the show. You can email us at magnified at gmail.com. 
You can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763-8727 MAGPOD. You can support us over on the Patreon, patreon.com slash magnified pod, uh, where you can find uh, bonus content. And yeah, I don't know, maybe we'll maybe we'll dip in there once or twice before we get this new season started. Who knows? We got some some Patreon ideas. Uh, but Andrew, we want to welcome a brand new Patreon punk. Oh, shit. You got to say welcome Sarah to the Patreon. Pew, pew, pew. pew, 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 pew. Air horns. Got to get that, um, uh, that new Discord link up there for, for Sarah. That's right. Yeah. Sarah, uh, come join us on the Discord <clears throat> shortly. Uh, great folks there, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, pick up some merch at magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com. And thanks to Small Step Records for sponsoring us. Go to smallsteprecords.com to learn more. Thanks to Shadow Producer Jason and Bruno at Unoriginal Vinyl for our artwork. Well, I think I hear the voice of the spirit begging us to shut the fuck up, but we'll be back to try to make you go astray next season. Note we wrote the other day. That's right. What better to close this with? Pass this day on crumbed and sugared countertops. We must insist you la, la, la. stop their defense they don't refuse. Nonetheless, we've come to you. Snapping traps and poison beans. Far left diplomatic <laughs> beans. Orange spider <laughs> <laughs> sounds like uh aaron sounds like us when we tried to record while high <laughs> yeah pretty much he's like oh, i can't do it i can't do it like i'm i'm trying i'm doing my best guys yeah, you know yeah. what do you I, want from him <laughs> i don't what are i mean snapping traps i understand you know for mouse traps but mm-hmm. what are what are poison beans Poison beads, you know, the old famous <laughs> the old, tale. <laughs> the old classic, the old classic poison beans for for the mice. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that one. I don't know. I'm not familiar with poison beans. Um, tell us about your favorite poison beans. <laughs> um and you know what? Just wanna thank you again for hanging with us for these many seasons, these many episodes this season. Um mm-hmm. if you're an OG listener, or you're just listening to us for the first time, or listening from the beginning, um, we're glad you're here, and we are excited for what's coming next. And we hope you guys will um, join us with uh, whatever that looks like. Absolutely, uh, we love you, but you don't exist, and and we don't exist either. Yep. What better way to say it? <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.